Simpsons Index, an online spreadsheet that is also a podcast. This is the podcast. Coming to you out of SideQuest Studios, this is the Simpsons Index, episode 156. Hello out there, I'm your host Elliot J. O'Neill, and joining me in SideQuest Studios is BT Calloway. No, hi, hi. And joining me all the way from Adelaide in South Australia, from Baby Beard Media HQ, he is one of the co-hosts of Shut Up and Take My Podcast, and currently DMing Baby Beard Media's Rollercast Season 2, Vampire the Masquerade, Adelaide by Night, it's Christopher Bond! Woo! Hey, 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 how you doing? Good, that was man. such a big intro. That was such yeah. a big, like... <laughs> the Baby Beard Media team have been busy. Yeah, we have. That's not even <laughs> going into you are Uncle Bob from season one mm-hmm. of Roll to Cast. Yeah, that's right. And uh, <laughs> our season three coming up, so- well, about to record soon. So, yeah, it's busy times. Jeez. But, yeah, thank you for joining us tonight. And, yeah, of course, this is The Simpsons Index. This is a podcast where we watch and review three episodes of The Simpsons at a time, but there's a twist. Each episode must come from a different decade. Uh, now, Chris, when we did our episode special with the other Baby Beard Medias, unfortunately, you weren't there. Uh, no, but this time was... you are. So we get to ask you, what is your Simpsons history? Where did the show begin with you? So the series began with me, uh, like many before. It began in the the mid-90s, mid to late 90s. I believe The Simpsons was a little bit too edgy for my parents when I was maybe like eight or nine. So I I came to it pretty late uh, compared to some of my peers, like around maybe season, season seven or six, maybe. So I missed out on the kind of four to five seasons. And certainly like seasons one, two, three, four were all absent from my repertoire. But the Channel 10, 6 p.m., Simpsons episodes, I think, were the go for most people. Yeah. And then, of course, they would play reruns all the time. So I I managed to catch up and educate myself pretty quickly. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's always uh, fun to hear about, uh, like, I'm sure it wasn't fun for you, uh, (laughs) the people who grew up where it was kind of contraband. But to sneak it into their house. Uh, it was always a thing of, because uh, the Channel 10 news was on before it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I became really interested in the news suddenly as like a 10-year-old kid <laughs> with a, with a, like a, just a habit of like letting the episodes run on and being like, oh, what's this? The Simpsons? Oh, we'll just leave the TV on for another half <laughs> yeah. hour. Oh, what's be the like, harm oh, in that? That newsreel left me so flabbergasted. We better just unwind with whatever's next. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I get that. Yeah, I know how that works. <laughs> TV strategies. <laughs> they said it was going to be 24 degrees tomorrow i'm just, I'm gonna need a moment to just ooh, better leave it on yeah who would have thought sandra sully would lead to edgy entertainment <laughs> oh, I think <laughs> some... <laughs> yeah. how many kids did sandra sully accidentally educate because they just wanted to watch the simpsons <laughs> oh, good on you sandra but you know on the flip side of that where did the show end with you where'd you drop off I would say pretty shortly afterwards i think like one of the latest episodes i remember seeing was was the kid rock episode Mm-hmm. This is mm. one where Kid Rock is in it. They go to Florida, I think. Kill the Gator and Rung. Yeah. yeah. I think that's about where I dropped off. So I'm not sure what season that's in. Season Season 10? 11, actually. Mm. Season 11. Yeah, wow. So really, I got really good with, like, between the seasons, like, between the kind of golden airs of, like, season 3 to 10. But I didn't really follow it after that much at all. Oh, interesting. Well, yeah, that's sort of, like... A pretty good period to be involved in. Yeah. Then. And yeah, that was the Kid Rock episode was actually an interesting one for us because, yeah, it was two participants versus a silver. You were the silver on that one, I think. I know. It's hard being right, especially when you're in the minority, <laughs> but um, it's across your bear. 
All right. Well, sorry to subject you to an episode that's like twice that and then a few extra seasons mm. later. Mm. <laughs> no, um, it's great. This is fascinating. It was a really interesting <laughs> watch to see what what the show is now. Yeah, mm. and we just watched Season 28, Episode 20, Looking for Mr. Goodbart. First released in April of 2017, it was directed by Michael Polcino, written by Carolyn Omni. In this episode, Bart starts uh, pimping himself out to be a model grandson for mm. a lot of Springfield's elderly women. And in the B story, Homer and Lisa get really into... Picky man get or whatever the fuck they decide to call. It's basically Pokemon mm. Go. Hey guys, what'd you think? Mm. Uh, yeah, it's mm. an episode of The Simpsons. Mm. Uh, the characters are yellow, yeah. uh, so that hasn't changed. That's an it's exciting a, thing. It's, that uh, it's still animated. <laughs> yeah, it's still animated. The voice actors seem largely the same. It was really interesting. Bart sounds decidedly older, which is interesting yeah. as well. Mm. Yeah, it was it was certainly an episode. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think there, BT, stewing in your own juices right Man, now? <laughs> I because mm, I was I was like just kind of numbed by this episode for a long time, and I'm trying to figure out what the turning point was. But then I just started getting angrier and angrier, and ooh, ooh, ah, ooh, I have feelings. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well let, let's get into these feelings because. <laughs> That's what we do here. We explore feelings. <laughs> Chris, we'll start with you. For better or worse, what's a moment that stands out to you? I think probably for worse is the uh, whatever Pokemon Go ripoff they call it. Um, mm-hmm. That whole thing, the B-plot effectively, is yeah. so, it seems at least to me, so cynical and so like nasty. It's just so sad and disappointing, the the cynicism that they bring to it. I mean, even the, the song that they have, I think, sung at the end where they talk about it being a fad. It's just so cynical and so nasty yeah. that there isn't joy. Uh, you know, in satire, at least I hope, you get comedy out of making fun of something. But this didn't feel like them trying to be joyful. This felt like them trying to kind of punch down on people who mm. were enjoying something. Yeah, it was it was shockingly cynical and nasty and like punching down and the animation i thought where they went to like a you know anime style pokemon style was actually quite bad it was not good animation Mm. it seemed lazy and kind of slapdash and uh yeah barely parody yeah it's funny because recently we reviewed an episode where they had like a Wii featuring quite prominently in the episode and we pulled it. You need to qu- say Nintendo Wii. It's been a while and people are going to be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I say that because for a second I was like, what are you talking about? Worst episode ever? What? That's right. Because they didn't call the Switch the Wii 3 or no. something dumb like uh, a yeah. Wii U or something yeah. stupid like that. <laughs> yeah. So they had a Nintendo Wii in the episode and we pulled a quote from a reviewer which absolutely stood out to me, which was, it was one where the Simpsons writers have obviously noticed something in pop culture but have yet to wholly grasp what it is or why it's important. Yeah, the second they cut to that anime-style version of playing the game, I was like, you don't understand what you're parroting, do you? Like, this is literally just, all oh, these kids and they're playing with their... Blah, 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 on their phones and whatever, and it's, it's yeah. Japanese or whatever. Yeah, and Maggie's, like, slicing the Pokemon. Yeah, and which, it's like, oh my god, that pissed me off so much. It's like, you've established what this game is, and that's not what you do in the game. Yeah. How yeah. do you not understand that? You've been talking about it for 20 minutes. <laughs> Even the Simpsons, uh, the Grimesy scene where they're on the, uh, the tombstone and they yeah. it's just a, it's like a cavalcade of like bit part characters coming on, doing a catchphrase and then fucking leaving. And I was like, 
what what is this? Why? What's the yeah. point of this scene? Uh, and went, and that's, on which and on. is an interesting yeah. thing because, like, that itself, like, that was seemed what the joke was. Like, here's all our fucking bit characters we've had over the years, and of course, Gil didn't catch it because Gil. But yeah. you know, functionally, like, it is commenting on the time when Pokemon Go was huge, and it had like a lot of the stops in like inappropriate areas. Mm. That's like social commentary, but they it didn't seem like they were taking that route with that joke. No, because it wasn't how rude of them to be in a cemetery it's haha they're all standing on frank grimes's grave and it's like yeah you've missed your own point again yeah 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 it's we've written a joke and we've got the like the punchline wrong of our own joke mm. that's incredibly bad yeah <laughs> how does that happen in a writer's room yeah so like why they're not wandering around and bumping into each other and you know they did briefly hit on the positive aspects of the pokemon go fad which was you know people getting out and actually meeting other players and stuff so if you'd had them do that but in a cemetery, there would have been a good balance of the good and bad aspects of this game straight away. Again, it was just, it was half there and it just you know, couldn't be bothered doing the rest. Yeah. So what about you, Chris? Did you have much experience with Pokemon Go when it came out or? I briefly dipped my toe into it. I knew a lot of friends who were really deep into it and who still are actually, who are really, really committed to it. Yeah. But I, I spent maybe a total of... 20 hours playing the game and, and kind of stopped after that. I played the creator's previous game. I think it was mm. called Ingress. Oh, and that of course, was, right. So that was their kind of like the software that Pokemon Go was built on. So I played that for quite a while and that was, and they were very much in favor of uh, you going out and taking photos of the landscape and like going, hey, let's meet up. And it was uh, more, I think, player driven and community driven and people would write stuff to each other and that was quite a small, cool group, and I eventually dropped out of that. And then Pokemon Go came up, and but uh, I mean, I played it briefly, but certainly I knew friends who would go at like two a.m. to a local park and do whatever they do there and meet with people, and yeah. How about you, Beach? I did not at any point ever. I just did. <laughs> no reason, not opposed to it, just didn't. Yeah, this is around the time where I was living in Sydney City, like a Newtown area, and uh, when the game hit, so. It was perfect for me at a time of place, and I did spend like two weeks playing it. And yeah, it'd be a cool thing where, yeah, down the local park, you could literally see more people than usual at the park, and mm. they've got their phones, and you're like, oh, I wonder if that, yeah, they're playing it too. Yeah. Yeah, I did like that quote, which is uh, like, you know, the two weeks after Pokemon Go launch was probably the closest we ever got to world peace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, and it was really cool. It like got me exploring the area and stuff. It's, um, but yeah, I do find it fascinating that, yeah, mine, like many people's stories are so the same. It was just a great intense two weeks and it's just like, eh, I don't want to do this anymore. But the, the community still thrives and it exists and the game is mm -hmm. like so different from what it originally launched with. Yeah, it's one of the most fascinating video game stories of all time, I, I reckon. Man, it's long-term ramifications. Like, I like how uh, Nintendo's share price went up and then people found out they didn't actually make it yeah. and it went back down. <laughs> yeah. It's like... Ah, oh, you investors. God, the economy makes no sense. It can crumble at any second. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I could talk about yeah Pokemon and Pokemon License Forever because I do love the series, but we must press on. Mm -hmm. BT, for better or worse, what stands out to you? All right, I'm going to focus on my favorite joke because the rest of my notes are going to be fairly negative, which was when this old lady who... We have this sharp left turn of a storyline where Bart's been, you know, gigoloing his grandson services out for a while. And just when you're thinking... Where are they going with this? About 10 minutes after you start thinking, where are they going with this? They decide where they're going with this. And he has this <laughs> left turn, finds this other old lady who bequeaths him her camera. And he's like, bequeath? What does that mean? I don't know. Ah, I've got to look that up. 
how do I look that up? And I do like he then rides his bike to the library and is like, hi, I need to look up a word. He's like, give me a phone. Yeah. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, how much do I owe you? Uh, five bucks. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a good bit. I actually got a pretty good laugh out of that. But then, yeah, that leads into the end of the episode, which I think forgets the point of the oh, episode. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah for sure. It... Yeah, because mm. what stands out to me, for better or worse, is this... Oh, it's such a trend in HD Simpsons to set up like a different sort of framework for an episode that they're going to be doing like, it's like a Goodfellas thing, right? Yeah, the- very, I mean, I'm assuming it might be something else, but um, yeah, it's very, based on the title, it might be parroting something else, but it struck me as Goodfellas-esque. I mean, there's a saying, sooner or later, every creative form tries to rip off Goodfellas. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably wondering how I created this form. Well, <laughs> but yeah, doing that whole freeze frame and, well, I wonder how you got here. You mm-hmm. look confused. Let me start from the beginning. But then, yeah, they don't run with it. And also the episode starts with a Big Bang Theory couch gag. I mean, come on. Oh, no, no, no. It starts with two couch gags. Because oh, for yeah. some reason it starts with like 30 years ago when the Simpsons logo flashes up and then we do the Marge singing uh, Rockabye Baby to Maggie from 30 years ago and then we do a Big Bang intro and it's like, I, I even turned to you and said if they had two intros, they are padding this episode and it's not not boding well. <laughs> no. So Play Count, have you seen this episode before, Chris? No, never. How about you, BT? Nope. Ah, uh, I saw it. I actually even forgot the whole Pokemon Go thing was a thing in this. Like, yeah, because it's totally inconsequential. Yeah, <laughs> I more remembered the rest of it. Anyway, how about the wackiness of this episode? Was this a particularly wacky episode of The Simpsons? Sybil Shepherd stabs a man. Yeah. Yeah. No reason. It just happens. <laughs> uh, the hobo yeah. teeth was a part that I kind of I... picked up on that I thought was, oh, yeah, all right, that's, that's a bit. And yeah. the bigger than Jesus, well, most things are, mm-hmm. by the Reverend, that was fairly good. I thought that was nice. Good comedy, yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm searching. Uh, but, like, as far as, like, cartoony moments, yeah, I don't actually think they went out on a limb here. Like, a lot of that they sort of reserved for, yeah, that Pokemon parody, which, yeah, I think we all went over. Yeah, kind of uh, misses the point. How about the main plot turn revolves around Bart checking this old woman out of uh, old folks' home by claiming to be a family member, and they don't check. I mean, that's wacky. That doesn't happen. Mm. They'd have a list. They would know who her family is. Come on. I know it's not fun, wacky, but I'm angry. <laughs> I, I thought it was like a dig at the old folks' home system where they, they just don't care and they just see them as like uh, checks, you know, old people checks, and they really don't care about whether they... Yeah, I mean, uh, if it had been Springfield Retirement Castle, that would have kind of already existed, but yeah, this was true. a different location for no reason, so... that's Yeah, that's a good point. It's absolutely no reason other than to get him away from Grandpa, I assume. Mm. Maybe? Yeah. yeah. Other wackiness I had for this episode was, yeah, when... Homer thinks he's got a Pokemon and it's actually a skunk and he gets sprayed. Mm. I did kind of like the joke that he tried to turn his tomato skunk bath into a Bloody Mary. I liked that as well. That was good. Yeah. And good animation of Homer sitting in a tomato bath with celery and vodka. That's all right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, and because Itchy and Scratchy fall under the wacky cartoony banner, what do we think of the Itchy and Scratchy cartoon in this episode? It existed. It was there. (laughs) Sure. It happened. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> it's weird, like, I don't, I feel like it's missing that, I don't know, layered, I, I'm trying to find the best word to describe the old itchy and scratchy cartoons. Well, just how they would, not always, but occasionally relate to the episodes in some respect. Yeah. And this was just here, again, it was just filler. What was the framing of them watching the itchy and scratchy? It was Bart watching it by himself, wasn't he? Uh, he was watching it while the old lady was asleep next that, to him. Yeah, that's right. So it's kind of like inconsequential in the rest of the world of the episode, I suppose. 
Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess the implication is that he just goes around and he can do whatever he wants because these old women fall asleep, but he would do that at home, so it feels pretty hollow. Yeah. Mm. Speaking of wacky and being angry yeah. at it, the fact that it's got the Pokemon animation and we're just like, yeah, I guess that that existed, right? Like, I feel like it yeah. doubles down the fact that we're talking about an episode where they change art styles. They have this whole, like, other industry, this titan of, like, animation and Pokemon and gaming and, and this kind of cultural icon. And we're like, oh, yeah, that, that was in this episode, I, I suppose in an episode that could have been wacky or interesting or fun, and we're just like, yeah, it was kind of bland and milquetoast and, like, dull, and, mm-hmm. yeah, it just sucked. <laughs> well, because, yeah, even them doing the parody of the legendary Pokemon song, you know? Yeah! Like, the lyrics were mostly about The Simpsons and, like, boring references to The Simpsons. Yeah. Huh, Maggie can't talk. Huh, Homer likes to drink beer. Like, yeah, very, very lazy. It was sung. Mm. Sung really, like, sad as well. Like, the voice actors know that song. I'm, yeah. I'm sure they do. It's a cultural icon. Like, it's as significant as the Simpsons theme, I would argue. Mm. And it's like, they don't seem to have the heart in it to sing it at any, like, performance level as well. They're just kind of, like, talking their way through it. It's really sad to hear. <laughs> no, that, that's a solid point. And, like, functionally as well in the episode, it's when they're using Pokemon Go players to go find this missing person, mm-hmm. and then they just divert quickly to have this Pokemon parody song that like isn't about the search for the missing person at all it's yeah. more about yeah digs at this game for being somewhat of a fad and japanese anime art style which yeah that sort of felt like more what they were doing not actually referencing pokemon yeah it was mm, just to totally. make fun of the thing rather than do anything with their plot yeah and speaking about the plot the heart this episode really went for hard at the end there didn't it it tried to. <laughs> I guess. It tried. Uh. It certainly tried. There was an attempt. Yeah. Because, you know, the whatever. What's her even name, the woman that we were talking in this? Oh, her name was Phoebe Pratt, and she was played by, did you guys guess who it was? No idea. Famous British lady. You know what I'm going to say, so I'm not going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> you might who describe her as being fabulous. Absolutely, Absolutely fabulous. fabulous. Oh my God, really? Yeah, it was Jennifer Saunders. Wow, okay. <laughs> that's a waste. Yeah, isn't it just? <laughs> that's a that's a shame. She's great. What the why? I'm now instantly mad at this episode. <laughs> what yep. the hell? Welcome why would you to waste a talent Simpsons. like that? I know. This is this is fun, guys. This is a real delight. <laughs> Well, yeah, like, because I think the seeds of the heart are there in the mm. idea that Bart's, you know, just playing to these old women and just telling them what they want to hear. And here's one who's, like, actually not interested in all that and wants to do her own thing. And so, therefore, Bart, like, tries to get it. I think there's something there, but... Yeah, and then learns something about nature and she's might off herself, but then is just out there and decides life's worth living. Oh, there's how the itchy and scratchy thing relates. The chef killed himself and she wants to kill himself. Yeah, well, fun. I should have should have mm. seen that coming. That was just a major spoiler. They put it in an inches scratchy. Mm. Ah, well, yeah. And look, my biggest problem with the whole Bart storyline is at the end he's like, "Oh, I've under- I've realized that taking ca- advantage of old women is wrong." He's like, "You were never taking advantage of them at any point. It wasn't like they had dementia and didn't realize he wasn't actually their grandkid." He said to them, "I'll do all grandkid stuff, and you just you know buy me grandkid stuff." Yeah. That's like the deal, and it was fine. They never did anything wrong at all. 
just it was odd but it wasn't you know illegal or immoral and hmm. if anything him hanging out with this woman and like getting to know her and yeah. through this thing maybe helped her through some of these dark thoughts that she was having probably yeah so yeah i agree i don't see how what bart did was wrong <laughs> no at no point is it like is he taking advantage of them in a way that's like he's beguiling them or tricking them he's just yeah with yeah. them in time and space and they want to reward that but also like he learns stuff from them he learns hmm. from her like nature and like how to be in a space and how to care for other people. Yeah. You know, that's a bit of a stretch maybe, but like, it's not a purely selfish, he doesn't self-reflect and go, oh no, I have to help her. He's like, where is she? Oh no, I got to go find her. Mm. Instantly, you know? Yeah, he doesn't even take her money, so. Yeah. And and even when they're giving him things, he's not like, oh, you know, that's pretty good, but you can get me a nicer bike, couldn't you? He doesn't even do that. He just accepts what they gave him normally. Yeah. The oh. only morally ambiguity, like morally kind of shady thing he does, is the teeth when like he's swapping out like yeah, fake that teeth. That was much but, worse. <laughs> but that's a dollar, and it seems to be his intro to how he deals with these women. He's like, oh, I lost teeth. Now I'm grandson. I was just gonna say the bigger problem of where did he get hobo teeth? Yeah, I mean those do not grow on trees. Do they yeah. not grow? Do they not grow in uh, New South Wales? You you guys don't have hobo teeth trees? Oh wow, well. we've we've I got mean, them here in South Australia. I mean, they must be native to your state. Yeah, I guess so. Are they the mm. state flower? Because that would be beautiful. <laughs> uh, so, well, it's contested. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah, there's a group that's really keen for it to be the case. Um, I'm not, but it's I, the people's flower now. I'm, I'm pissed yeah. we got screwed with a waratah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not leader of that group or anything. Like that's definitely not the case. I don't have All an right. agenda talking well, about the hobo teeth tree. Well, let's start a sternly worded letter writing campaign. <laughs> But ultimately, did this feel like an episode of The Simpsons? Were the characters behaving like themselves? If you sucked all the life out of one, yes. <laughs> yeah, it feels like, uh, you know, in The Lord of the Rings, when Bilbo is talking about how he feels like butter spread over too much bread? <laughs> yep. That, that is what this feels like. It's mm. like, the Sim- hey, The Simpsons are yellow and butter is yellow, so it feels like they've been spread over too much bread. Illuminati uh, confirmed. There we are. It all makes sense. It's all coming together. Uh, yeah, it just felt thin, mm. stretched. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't really have much problem with the individual character integrity. It's more about the writing. Like, yeah. I find Lisa and Homer's plot as well of Lisa them being worried that they're hiding stuff from Marge just fucking came out of nowhere. Absolutely no. And it was, again, it was never, there was no consequence to that. Yeah. It's like, oh, Mar-. at the end, Homer's like, Marge, I spent $600 on this game. She's like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, end. she knew. She knew at the end. She was like, oh, yeah. hey, yeah, and it is of no consequence. Mm. Yeah, she's instantly placated by the fact that there will be something else to deal with next week and uh, in a new wacky episode. Right. Yeah, my problem, I think, with does it feel like a Simpsons episode, two things, really. I By the halfway down the page, I'm like, okay, where are either of these plots going? Because there's no conflict on any of them. And then also, it was we've mentioned before, HD Simpsons tend to be really silent. Like there's no transitional music. Usually there's very little background music. This one was incredibly sparse. There was like none. I don't think there was a single piece of like interstitial music at all. All the background sounds were barely there. The foley was barely there. It's like, were they trying to save money or something? It was just bizarre. Yeah, I mean, episode 20 of the 28th season, maybe they were just stretched thin there and they, yeah. It's like, guys, I'm sorry, we've lost the sound bank library. We don't know where it is. <laughs> You're absolutely right. I That's a great point. I've Yeah, wow, this is real, very empty, very sparse, very quiet show yeah, now, isn't it, I suppose? Yeah, it's weird. and Which is why those uh, that theme song doesn't sound right either, I think. Like, mm. it, it doesn't come from a place of, like, a musical show. It's, like, just slammed in there. 
And it would have been nice if they had some like Pokemon-esque musical stings when they were doing yeah. uh, the Peaky Man Get parody and stuff. Yeah, just go, da-da-da. Yeah. Mm. That's fine. That's enough. You can sample my voice doing it. That's all right. Or like the old people. Who's that old person? Like a joke at, <laughs> like that. It's Man. Yeah. <laughs> That's a better joke already. Like every like going in and out of every um, ad break. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's just such a shame when, you know, they do kind of go for these style things, but yeah, they don't know why they're doing them. And mm. like Simpsons, when they do style parodies, sort of were way more consistent than this like yeah it's sort of weird that they set it up with a big bang intro to do Bart doing a goodfellas thing to do homer and lisa doing a Uh, pokemon thing it's just it's so mishmashed and doesn't make sense together well just the whole thing doesn't make sense together it sounds like you know was it carolyn omini yeah it's like okay omini what do you got um i don't know maybe you know homer starts playing pokemon go okay write write that script immediately do not delete anything and do not start again uh okay (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and also throw in this intern script in there. Just blend it up a yeah. little bit. <laughs> but yes or no, would you watch this one again? No. <laughs> no. Dear God, no. But, you know, episodes we don't want to watch again, but maybe there are some things that we can improve on it. You know, right. you get a bone, you know, don't throw it out. You know, mix it with a little um, water and some salt. Maybe you got a stew going. <laughs> BT, how would you change this episode? <laughs> I'd have a point. I just roll back the entire from the second act on the open. I mean, fine. You've got a Pokemon Go thing. You've got this Bart doing his uh, Gigolo grandson thing. Just have either of them matter. Like, put something in there. Virtually any point of conflict, or introduce this woman he meets earlier. Anything. It's just so bland for so long. And I'm trying to like, okay, I guess I'm just gonna walk out of this one a little bit bored, and then eventually yeah around about the time that pokemon uh, song clipped in i was like now i'm angry mm. how about you chris what would you like to change so my my tweaks would be what you want to have is bart is actually taking advantage of the old people so mm, he's yeah. it's mean and it's mean-spirited and it's a it's a bad thing to do actively bad and negative homer marge and lisa are all preoccupied with the pokemon go game and mm-hmm. so they can't uh, look after bart or control him the old people stuff happens faster and we get to our morally changing character uh, what was her name again the the Phoebe Pratt Phoebe so uh, he meets Phoebe around at the second arc and we actually get those four days of him taking her out each day yeah. and slowly he learns a new thing about life and the outside and about you know why what he's doing is morally reprehensible about being a good person finally mm. at the end he realizes that she's gone off maybe to kill herself who knows uh but he's learned that over the four days and needs to come back on the fifth day like he makes that active choice to come see her again and then he brings over the pokemon go people who not being a negative thing it's a positive thing look they're already there so he asks them to help yep and they're all really happy to help because they're all they've all learned communication they've broke down barriers and maybe they're uh they're more friendly and enemies have become friends and so they all go out (laughs) and they find her and bring her back yeah uh Ah, wonderful. (laughs) A clap. Oh, my goodness. It was good. (laughs) No, because I also like, even it's kind of silly and kind of poking fun. I do like the addition that you're looking for this incredibly rare Pokemon and, like, just have a picture of her. Like, I actually do think that's kind of clever to tie into the whole thing, that they'd Mm -hmm. be so laser-focused that they would. And I think Mm -hmm. it is actually a clever coming together of the two stories. It's just the stories themselves didn't really have a point and you didn't leave enough time to build up a point to get to them, like, 
to make that satisfying, uh, satisfying dovetailing of the two stories. So yeah, in that cut out the intro thing, I don't know why they had a half of the good night sketch from the Tracy Ullman show. Like, yeah, I get it makes sense that this was the start and they're doing this big bang parody, but when you're doing a big bang parody song and you're just, again, just listing shit about the Simpsons mm-hmm. and then you do another th- parody song later, that's a list of shit about the Simpsons. Yeah. It uh, makes it that much worse in retrospect. So yeah, I think a good old tightening of the screws just across the board and figure out. Yeah. And yeah, what you were saying earlier, Chris, about the whole Pokemon go parody feeling just more like punching down and saying, Oh, you idiots are losers are into this fad. That's dumb. Like, mm. Yeah, have some reverence for the, like the, there was a good part about this thing, and yeah, mm. something good that still exists. So yeah, analyze why it's a thing that exists in pop culture. Also, yeah. just quick question: Did uh, Pokemon Go have microtransactions? Mm, that's another good point. Yeah, it did, but you couldn't buy Pokemon themselves. Right, you could buy like equipment and gear and shit. Yeah, but like yeah. I don't remember exactly how it worked with the eggs and the stars and stuff, but. It was always sort of capped in a way that right. wasn't sort of gross. and Yeah. Uh, so follow-up question. Could you buy unlimited stuff in The Simpsons Tapped Out? <laughs> that's an interesting uh, point. That's a good point. I think you can. <laughs> I think there isn't a cap on that thing. Yeah. Because, yeah, there was definitely stuff that you that you couldn't earn in the game just through grinding that, you know, items that could only be purchased with donuts and you can only... <laughs> I mean, motherfuckers, mm-hmm. people in glass houses shouldn't throw donuts. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is a solid point. Like, yeah. Pokemon so, Go's microtransaction actions were far less egregious than the Simpsons tapped out. Yeah, so not only are they mocking something else, they're mocking something else for something they do. Yeah. <laughs> mm. For fuck's sake. And not having that sort of, like, knowing wink about it at all. Yeah, uh, it'd be like them going, oh, guys, did you know Pokemon's been on for 30 years? What bullshit animated shows can be on for 30 fucking years? Grow up. <laughs> and just, yeah, having no concept of themselves. Oh, goddamn. That's a I'm ve- angry again. <laughs> That's a very fucking interesting <laughs> parallel, man. Like, <laughs> that The Simpsons could have drawn. and mm-hmm. Yeah. Having some self-deprecating, knowing no, clever nods. It's like most things when rich people do it it's only tacky when other people do it when they do it it's fine (laughs) guest stars for the episode so yeah like i said before jennifer saunders and uh, valerie harper as well made another appearance she's a she was a somewhat regular uh, uh, occurrence during the simpsons hd era and uh, unfortunately yeah passed away recently oh, that's right yeah rhoda from mm. mary tyler moore show my nona as uh yeah a valet so we're here chris do you have any other notes about the episode no uh it was really interesting to come back to the simpsons with this as kind of punctuating my return so uh <laughs> <laughs> oh does it inspire you to delve more into the hd era uh no uh it kind of you know what it is it's returning back to your family home mm-hmm. and seeing it's been knocked down and replaced with uh something like a tobacco shop or like a bottle shop or something um, yeah <laughs> something not just like not your home but also it's been replaced with something that doesn't recognize doesn't symbolize your childhood yeah which is interesting <laughs> that's for sure i didn't know a tv show could do that to me but uh, here we are yeah not only not, a, not the place you used to love but now a place no one loves <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what about you, BT? Any other notes? So and I always. There's this bit in the beginning where Lenny's playing po- pick him in get or whatever the fuck and <laughs> walks into the core and then Carl's like, oh, we got to lock that up. Puts like a, a little latch over it. And yeah. then Homer gets into the game 
and he watches Homer walk into the same. He's like, ah, oh, and then just locks him in there. It's like, but you know he's in there. And also, then Homer starts beating on the door, and it's like, but the joke was it was poorly secured, and now Homer can't break out of it. Mm. So what's, the, uh, is he, yeah, it's just, it sucked. I was expecting him to crawl out the cat flap. Yeah. yeah. That's and where I thought that joke and... was being set up, because the cat's already come out and, and get stuck exactly, and then pull uh, out the game and keep playing it I... while being stuck in the door. Like, that yeah. to me is like, yeah. I totally even forgot that happened. And yeah, that's set up without payoff because that's always frustrating as hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Martin's grandma is a cunt. Because, <laughs> you know, she's this, as, as soon as Bart starts smack talking him, he's, she's just like, oh, you're a terrible grandson. How about you fuck off and die? One thing uh, I hated about this scene and a uh, bit of a Jordan's anal corner. Jordan! Actually, we don't do that anymore, do we? Do, we now whatever go, you do, man. <laughs> Welcome to Jordan's anal corner. That's only retentive. Not anal sex. Just to clarify. Elliot, over to you. Thanks for the clarification. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Martin's grandma claims that Martin calls her Gram Gram. Yep. And then when Martin walks back into the scene, he says Grandmama. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> well, again, For sake. It, it wasn't Carolyn Almany's fault because she wasn't allowed to delete anything from the script. So she's right. like, what did I call him? I can't remember. I'll just put something in. Mm. Again, like, it's a weird process of making shows, but they've been, you know, doing it for 30 years. I guess they know their business. Yeah, but, I mean, it's dumb and it's picky, but it's just like... It was right there, yeah. Yeah, yeah in the scene, and you're making a point that that's the name, and then... Uh, blah. I haven't really talked about Skinner's involvement in this whole episode as well, where, yeah, he's... You know the term flanderization, right, Chris? Mm. Uh, reduce a character to its base stereotype? Yep. Yeah. Yep. We felt like... Skinnerization is also a good sort of side set of this because of how, you know, he used to be the authority figure and now all the jokes about him are just yeah. being whipped by his he, mother. Yeah, was the authority mm. figure who was then undermined by his either charmers or his mother and now he's just a whipping boy. Yeah. 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 And so having him being scared by yokes. Uh, mm. Yeah, I didn't. I know it's a joke, but I didn't get it. Yeah. And that's sad. No, well, it's just he's that much of a loser these days. Yeah. And it's like, it's Isn't that not... just embarrassing for the writers to be like, oh, I guess we, I don't know. that's, I don't know. Yeah, that'll do. <laughs> and let's not forget this whole episode ends with like a bumper of Skinner on a date. Yeah. And that was oh, just yeah. god awful. That was fucking awful, wasn't it? That was mm-hmm. dreadful. <laughs> yeah, because he just Jesus. bumps into Agnes and Agnes is like, oh, I'm taking Millhouse as my new substitute grandson now, but I'll buy a dessert. Oh, thank you, mother. But I'm not going to buy your whore of a date as dessert. Fuck off. It's why put this here? This <laughs> like, is like because even I like padding. the idea of idea of Millhouse becoming like the there new are... yeah, and I kind of wish that was even incorporated into the episode or like Barton starting it like trying to franchise or something. <laughs> Outsourcing, yeah, he <laughs> yeah. can't be everywhere. Yeah, mm. um, but yeah, my note for that scene as well was that sort of seemed to point out the whole oh, remember the silhouettes joke from that episode. Mm-hmm. And Millhouse being like, I replaced your silhouette. And I wrote down Millouette. Uh, fun fact, <laughs> silhouette is really hard to spell. Mm-hmm, so is Millouette. Oh, <laughs> uh, and also the bullies confused Orzo and Uzo. Yeah. That was... I really liked. That I thought was oh, very really? funny, actually. Yeah, I actually quite enjoyed that. I thought that was a good little little cutaway bit when they're eating it and they're like, mm, it's all right, it tastes okay. <laughs> I, I chuckled at that. that, that I didn't mind. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that would have been a joke I enjoyed more if I wasn't already having a bad time. Mm. Mm-hmm. All right, it is time to rank this thing. On the Simpsons Index, we rank using our six-point scale, which starts down the bottom at failure. 
maybe the episode was just meh. you give it participant but for the positive rankings you got okay bronze good silver excellent gold but for the best of the very best the episodes that the simpsons could not exist without you give cubic zirconia now i'm going to go first let me show you how it's done Oh, man, it was close to participating, but yeah, the more I talked about this one, the more I just outright hated it. Like, and in retrospect, it just, it goes so much worse, BT. Yeah, for a long time, I'm sitting there going, okay, I don't really know where this plot's going, but nothing's terrible yet. And, you know, I was going to call it like a morphine episode where everything's just cloudy and numb and then you forget about it. But then it just, it lost its own plot, It what little it had. It didn't know, the Pokemon Go thing just clearly proved they didn't understand it and then this extra character that pops in out of nowhere to give Bart's plotline anything to do it just ended up pissing me off so much and then that final Skinner stinger that's a fun thing to say <laughs> Skinner stinger just plunged it into the depths like it you know because it cut to black and I turned to you and went there's a fucking stinger isn't there yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah fail from me and Chris finish it off this is a big old failure when you've got something as significant as Pokemon Go, something that, as we talked about earlier, kind of almost like united the world. There were mm. news uh, outlets talking about it for weeks. It was so significant that the stock price of a company that didn't even own the property <laughs> rose. <laughs> yeah. People, you know, were, were taking long lunches, meeting each other in the park. Mm. Something that is culturally so significant as Pokemon Go to fail to accurately satirize or parody or make any significant point of from that is a failure on a show like uh, The Simpsons. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, well, that makes it a unanimous failure. We are giving it the, the index, index finger. finger. Go, go, now, season 28, oh boy, has the most unanimous failures, <laughs> and this will be the eighth unanimous failure oh, from season 28 out of how many we've reviewed how many have we reviewed though uh, like hate to make it put you on the spot but it needs context um i can't really count right now but it, it's like 14 that's like, right we'll cut to, like more uh, than half yeah we'll cut to editing bay elliot j oh, don't make me do more work okay i won't, I won't <laughs> just cut that bit <laughs> i was close it's 15 it's ridiculous at this stage, but it'll be joining the other season 28 unanimous failures of Monty Burns' Fleeing Circus, where Mr. Burns makes a circus. Mm. Last Traction Hero, Homer, that's home breaking his back. The Great Fatsby Part 2, Part yeah. 1 got a few participants at least. It had potential. Uh, Fats Corrado, which we reviewed the other week with Firestarters podcast, where Homer oh, yeah. discovers the old hot dog cart he used to love. Mm. Mm. I still think about it that at night sometimes when I'm sharpening knives. <laughs> The Cat and the Hat, uh, also Dogtown, where Springfield gets overrun by dogs, and Camp Crustier, the unwanted sequel to Camp Crusty. Mm. No. Mm. No, that shouldn't exist. Stop. Give it back. <laughs> My child, stop taking it away. You haven't seen that one, I'm guessing? Don't. Oh, wait, yeah, of course. Camp Crustier? No. I'm going to now because no. I hate myself. Because no. I, I hate myself, clearly. Uh, and also, we just reviewed the sequel to the Ping Pals episode as well, so... Yeah, they're turning into that show now where they're doing sequels. 20 years later. Mother... Jesus. All right, and before we move on, we must ask, is that reputation justified? Justified. That's all I had for like, I was like going to do a Pokemon parody, but I didn't have, I didn't know we were watching this. <laughs> is that reputation justified? Justified. Not bad. Dennis yeah, Perkins of the AV Club. Dennis the Wildcard Perkins. He gave it a B. Dennis! Yeah, actually. We were starting to come around. We were starting to see eye tie. <laughs> I was about to breeze on from that, but that's like their bronze maybe edging on silver. Mm. He says, looking for Mr. Goodbart isn't boring, but it doesn't quite land as hard as it appears it's going to for a time. 
both wrong. I mean, mm. it's, it never looks like it's going to land well, and it is boring. Yeah. <laughs> mm. But, you know, we've been agreeing with him a lot lately, so... Right, well, this is why he's the wild card. Still the wild card. Mm-hmm. All right, well, that about does it for the HD era. Now, Chris, we're going to subject you to another episode from a season that you wouldn't have seen. This is season 18, Stop or My Dog Will Shoot. Chris, do you have any idea what this episode could be just based on title alone? Stop or My Dog Will Shoot. This yes. better not be a sequel to Who Shot Mr. Burns. I swear <laughs> to God. I swear to God. No, I have no idea. <laughs> well, I mean, that's as good a guess as any given the track record lately. Yeah. So we're going to find out after this short break. And we are back and we just watched our Teens Era episode. This was Season 18, Episode 20, Stop or My Dog Will Shoot. First released in May of Oort 7, it was directed by Matthew Fornan, written by... John Frank. I knew you were faking me out. <laughs> like, I don't trust you anymore after the first time you did that. <laughs> I'll one day regain your trust, but for now I'll keep trolling you. <laughs> you know, I mean, you can sew a wound up, but it's still there. Oh. Yeah. In this episode, <laughs> uh, Santa's little helper becomes a police dog, but then has a bit of aggression issues. Mm. Uh, so he's sent to live with Lou the cop, and Bart gets a snake named Strangles. Hey guys, what'd you think? It was competent. Yeah, I thought pretty good. Pretty yeah, all right. It's a, definitely more of a story-driven one. I don't. I think my biggest negative on this one, that I didn't get too many laughs, especially after the first half. But uh, yeah, look, the story works, and it's got some heart, so yeah. Yeah, I'm a bit mixed on this one. Like, There's some jokes which I was really groaning hard at, but like for the most part and the experience of watching it, it wasn't too bad. Mm. Mm. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get into it. We'll start with you, Chris. For better or worse, what's a moment that stands out to you? I think the big thing that stood out to me was that the story was really competent. It felt really full of heart. It seemed like a really like genuine kind of thing. Uh, the big thing that stood out to me was when Bart dreams about his Robocop dog. Yeah. And it's ripped straight from Robocop. But the things that he's scared of. Well, the, not one certain not, penis not, shooting not, scene. Yeah, but. That's true. <laughs> but the things that he's scared of are like costumed horror characters. Uh, Pinhead and Jason Voorhees. Yes. There we are. Yeah. And math homework. And I was like, yeah, he's 10 years old. That's what a 10-year-old would be scared of. Like, that's what you'd want to defeat in a dream. And there was like yeah. that, that real, he's 10. That's right. He's, uh, he's a small boy he, who uh, loves his dog and his dog loves him back. And when he doesn't, it's a really nasty thing. That through line was something that really stood out to me as a, a real positive of this episode. And I like the math book, Bled Equations. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That was great. Yeah, I did enjoy that little fantasy sequence as well. And, you know, Bart's idea of what having a cop dog would be like versus what it's actually like. Mm. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. How about you, BT? What stands out to you for better or worse? Was that really Rudy Giuliani? It was really Rudy Giuliani. Before he went crazy. Well, one uh, debate, might argue. Debatable, for sure. No, I actually really like his delivery and his lines here are actually pretty good, where he's all like, you know, to every human, I say congratulations. To the dogs, I say, who's a good boy? Who's a good boy? Who wants a tum-tum? Who's got a fuzzy tum-tum? You do. Yes, you do. Right. I think that when I see dogs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wish that's what Rudy Giuliani decided to do, was to make congratulatory speeches at the animal mm. ceremonies rather than where life takes some of us. Mm. Yes. <laughs> Strange places. It's just fucking weird to think about that, isn't it? <laughs> that this is that same person. We also can't prove that this is not some kind of creature wearing Rudy Giuliani's skin. Because that mm. makes way more sense than anything else. 
Very true. That does, actually. That explains a mm. lot. <laughs> it When the insane makes more sense than the truth, mm. what is life anymore? Post, yeah. Postmodern. <laughs> yeah, we're just in postmodern life. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, what stands out to me, for better or worse, yeah, the intro sequence and how we all got here with the amazing maze maze. Mm. Ah. And that when Santa's little helper is uh, looking for Homer, they played the musical sting of corns, Freak on a leash. Again, he wasn't wearing a leash. (laughs) (laughs) I really like that part as well. I thought that was great. It's just sort of weird to hear new metal in Simpsons, I suppose. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, and when this would have come out, it would have been like, what, six years old by that point? Corn's Freak on a leash. Oh, yeah, this is 07. Yeah, Yeah. that is not a timely reference. No, not at all. Not entirely. (laughs) I think uh, Corn's Uh, Freak on a leash came out in 1999 or 2001. I should know this. About yeah, ninety eight, ninety nine. Oh, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna Google it myself. No, no, I can I can verify he uh he just had knew that off the top of his head. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like to admit it, but I did like corn back in the day. <laughs> oh, so did I. Uh, ninety eight, by the way. I just googled it. Yeah. So that's nearly ten years old. That song when this comes out. This mm. reference. Mm. I mean, we still got the reference. To yeah, be that's fair, true. it was a bit yeah. of a dated one, but we all still got mm. it. It was an interesting animation thing that they were doing where they were doing like the, you know, 3D sort of him looking around the maze thing. Mm-hmm. Mm. And there were, there were some okay visual jokes, but then, yeah, other guest star of this episode, Stephen Hawking just, yeah, made a random appearance, which felt largely unnecessary. Yeah. And then just chop it out of there. That was mm. him doing a guest appearance. Yep. That was Stephen Hawking, and just to round out the guest stars, also Maurice LaMarche played the horn stuffer. I see. Ah, those were his screams of terror being dragged away. Yeah, as they just got absolutely mobbed by the other <laughs> horn stuffers. I mean, I'm assuming he doesn't live. Well, yeah, he's, the other dude said there would not be a trial, no. so... <laughs> no trial, no body, mm. no proof of whatsoever. No horn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But yeah, Maurice LaMarche, of course, being a regular star of Futurama. Mm-hmm. I've heard of that. <laughs> Pretty obscure show. Yeah, I don't know if many people have heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> if only there was a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if someone were to pitch that as an idea, I'd be like, shut up and take my clothing. I don't know. <laughs> Play count. Have you seen this episode before today? I have not. I can't see you pointing. Sorry. Uh, you, <laughs> no, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Because when we're in the studio, I usually point to where I'm directing uh, the questions. And I pointed at a, a microphone that's just staring back at us. And... <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Have you seen this episode before today? That was me. Uh, I have yep, not seen sorry. this episode. <laughs> that's all good. That's all good. I to have be not fair, seen when this you episode. Did, when you pointed, he <laughs> responded immediately. And when you didn't, he didn't. So Can you see us? What do I know? Yeah, there we go. Uh, no, I haven't seen this episode. I haven't seen this episode at all before this moment. How about you, BT? Yeah, I've seen it at least once. Yeah, it sticks in my memory. Not one that I really revisited. I don't think I'd put a number on it or anything. Too. But wackiness. Was this a particularly wacky episode of The Simpsons? Oh my, yes. Hmm. Yeah. Santa's little helper seems a bit more clever than he usually is. It's true. For someone they immediately showed as having a watering can on his head the second the idea of being a police dog pops up, he comes together pretty quickly. Mm. Yes, he just needed the education. I mm. suppose there is that episode where he goes to dog school and does eventually become quite competent. He just needs the motivation to do so. So Yeah. He's like Bart. I think when people give him that attention, he, he thrives. I think yeah. that's actually a really good point is that Santa's Little Helper is often used as like a mirror to Bart. And I think in this episode, it's really good as well. Um, he's got sort of that same sensibility when uh, 
things get thrown at him that are a bit tough, he reacts badly, and when he's given opportunities, he kind of flourishes. I don't know. It's a good little mirror. Good little uh, yeah. back and forth between the two. Who's a good mirror? Who's a good mirror? <laughs> <laughs> Who's reflecting society? Yes, you are. <laughs> but yeah, they've sort of given Santa's hel- little helper a lot of like human quality in this episode, mm. especially with re- uh, interacting with Lou, and they're sort of doing a little bit of a training day thing, I guess. Yeah, I mean, just any cop movie, really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, first day on the job kind of yeah. premise. It can't be training day until he smokes meth. That's so. right. That's right. <laughs> or was it crack? I can't remember. Uh, they have to have a, uh, what do they have to have? The inside a club scene is when you're like yeah. proper training day scenes. And, you know, comparing what Godzilla does and does not have. That's right. <laughs> mm. uh, I haven't seen the movie, but now that robot chicken sketch where it's training day, but it's Godzilla's now makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the quote, Godzilla ain't got shit on me. Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> How about you, BT? Any other wacky moments? Oh, my, yes. The Police Dog Academy is also uh, training horses and an alligator to be in attack. Yeah, I did like how they had, yeah, Eddie dressed up in all the foam and stuff for the dogs Mm. to attack him, and then the horses and the police alligator does as well. And let's not forget the police dolphin, (laughs) who I do like also when they call for backup at the Spuckler's house, uh, gets pulled in on a trailer. Yeah. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, background gadgets, the police dolphin shows up, that's good. Oh, there we go, we're utilising him. I'm glad he's doing some field work, you know, not just being a desk dolphin. Yeah, and I do really like when um, Snake throws all the steroids into the lake, and the duck comes along and eats a view, and then just walks out with his muscular legs, just quack. <laughs> I instantly thought of uh, Untitled Goose Game when that came out. I was like, oh, I want to see that. Oh, as- <laughs> imagine that as a DLC, Apache. Yes. yes. Like, you get the objective, steal the drugs. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Take the steroids. Beat that punk up. Take the bread. <laughs> Take the bread. You wouldn't have to have anyone pull things away from you. you just rip it out of their hands. It changes the <laughs> game. <laughs> <laughs> Steamroll everyone. Peggy, 15 plus. There you go. <laughs> Sorry, I meant to say honk. Yeah, that's right. It's got that deep man voice. Honk. Honk. <laughs> uh, how about you, Chris? Any other wacky moments from this episode stand out to you? Yeah. Other than the goose scene that I, I really enjoyed that as well. But the when uh, Santa's little helper starts trying to sing the uh, Christmas cards, uh, Lisa mm. screams, no boy, that's Hanukkah. I really like that. I just thought that was a good little... That was little... so weird. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Yeah, talk about Santa's little helper being way too smart than what he normally is. Yeah. Like, he overhears the conversation and knows how to bark Hanukkah songs. Yeah. <laughs> and what else was it? When Bart eats his own homework. I actually quite enjoyed that. It wasn't dwelled on too long that I thought, oh, it's too obnoxious. It was, it was short enough that I enjoyed it. So this is sort of getting into, like, I feel like this episode really needed another pass, is that I just wish there was a bit more of Bart missing Santa's little helper or something. Mm. Uh Yeah, I mean, a little bit more of the Strangles not filling that void. Like, he doesn't even try and play, like, catch with Strangles. Mm. Mm. That's what actually was needed, yeah. Yeah, that's been the through line when he tries to play catch with, you know, Santa's little helper and he doesn't get it anymore. And then later on when he goes to school, Santa's little helper finds the Frisbee. Mm. And so, yeah, the fact he didn't play it with Strangles is like that through line that they didn't have. And it's sort of the wackiness that I didn't like, which was Strangles getting all wanting for Bart at the end of it, where... Mm. I think part of what made the story work is that Strangles was an emotionally distant, vacant snake. Yeah, it was a python. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just doing python things. Whereas, like, a dog, you know, especially Santa's Little Helper, is similarly vacant at times. Mm. It's always good-intentioned, whereas this one is, yeah, Yeah. a snake. Although I do like it was $5 per foot. And just got a big roll. (laughs) With a a, a guillotine kind of cutting... Mm -hmm. 
when you've got enough snake, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Just chop a bit also, off. Also, fi- $5 per foot is a bargain. Yeah. <laughs> is it in the um, reptile trade? I mean, I assume. Snake enthusiasts, feel free to write in. <laughs> uh, Dankmus. Do you guys know Dankmus? The musician who remixes uh, Simpsons music. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. Like doing Simpsons vaporwave and all that mm-hmm. sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's based in South Australia, actually, and he has a pet snake. So if you're listening, Dankmus, uh, shout out to you and your pet snake. Uh, it feels appropriate <laughs> at this moment. <laughs> Absolutely. Try and get in talks with him and maybe we can do some Simpsons podcast wave hey. and be ahead on the next trend of uh, mm. shoegazy weirdo YouTube music. I mean, Danny's already cut a few tracks of us just talking remixed. So yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> I'll flick I him a message. some collaborations. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, I do like how the snake ends up with Willie on the reel, but I really didn't need the Babe reference. Yeah. To, no, uh, yeah. yeah. Talk about old references. Yeah, mm. this Babe is way more outdated than corn. Yeah. <laughs> A sentence you'd never think you'd have to say, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, like it just seemed so pointless. Like it's just a reference for reference sake. Yeah, absolutely. Because it was just sitting there, and it's like that'll do, Snake. It's like, but that's all it is doing. Mm. <clears throat> Whatever it does, it's doing it now. Yeah, yeah. And especially with Willie, like, of course he'd be the one that'd end up with the snake. Wait, why wasn't it Snake that ended up with Snake? Yeah. Anyway, I thought he was going to eat him. <laughs> that's what i was expecting as well is to follow on with that kind of like cold aloof snake quality is just to him mm. like strangle willy at the end yeah anyway or at least some biting come on you're yeah. a snake god damn it <laughs> but how about the heart of this episode did we feel the bumps i mean yeah all in santa's little helpers expressions and the music stings and again when he finds the frisbee and ah it's all hot yeah absolutely it's got some music stings in particular. I actually paid attention to the music a lot more in this one, uh, thanks to our conversation last time. And I think there's way more heart in this, especially when Santa's Little Helper bites Bart's leg and uh, mm-hmm. it cuts to an ad and Santa's Little Helper doesn't soften. Yeah, it's still, yeah. it's an angry, aggressive. And I'm like, oh, we're supposed to be emotionally invested in this. This is a turn that's sincere, yeah. not one that's just done for like, oh, he's going to revert back. It's like, oh, he's this is a change that they're keeping into the next cut. Yeah, and even the delivery of Bart's line, you bit me. It's like that guy has a lot of pain and uh, surprise in it. So. Yeah. And yeah, the follow-on scene as well where he's, you know, tied to the tree and mm-hmm. like Bart's still trying to negotiate for him. And mm. yeah, that's some really powerful stuff there, but they kind of undercut it with uh, Wiggum's whole fucking thing. They undercut it with Homer acting like a dog. Oh, that's right. That too. Yeah. That sucked. That went on yeah. for too long. Mm-hmm. I know I'm a people. Oh, there's Flanders. Oh, but you know him. Calm down. Woof, woof. Mm. Yeah, which is a shame. Like, Because I think that's sort of one of my big criticisms with this episode, where it sort of rushed the ending as well. Because I don't feel like we got enough of Santa's little helper being a cop after th- having to break away from Bart and... Yeah, we just got a weird scene where he hooks up with a random dog. Well, we don't know how that conversation ended either. It's true. Very true. That was a ni- was- I thought that was a nice little ending to that scene, that little comment, because it wasn't dwelled on as well. It kind of quickly yeah. cut away, which I enjoy the pacing of that. That's good directing, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but then I feel like Santa's Little Helper's turn at the school sort of came out of nowhere as well. Mm. Uh, again, I think just a little bit more, like you were saying. I mean, I'm very, I didn't even notice it, but I am very surprised they don't cut to Strangles and Bart not having the same relationship. It feels like we don't get any Bart's perspective from here. Yeah. And even when, you know, he's lying on the ground and he wakes up and both pets are looking at him, surely Strangles should be just be like looking at him and then turns and just goes away because it doesn't care. Yeah. I, th- I think I, I, I like the idea of it just being 
a python way way better yeah i think that was weird like a santa's little helper dealing with the post-traumatic stress of the first day on the shift like the first day yeah. on the job mm-hmm. like the bar scene in particular felt particularly long and not necessarily the right thing to have at that moment we don't need lou and the chief talking on the equipment and complaining about the equipment and being in the same room yeah. and, like it's that's mm-hmm. there's nothing there yeah there's so much of this um a term coined by worst episode ever uh, another simpsons podcast where the wiggum and lou corner where yeah. we just do all these cuts to them having this little snippy like relationship sort of humor and i just don't think it works a lot of the time mm. and especially in this episode like yeah it just feels like every time they're in the scene together you know what's about to happen and it yeah most certainly does yeah it also means that Santa's Little Helper doesn't have anyone real to kind of bounce off. If Lou is kind of reduced to that like two-dimensional kind of caricature mm. by having those little quips with the chief, like it, it's not super, he doesn't have a real emotional character to kind of bounce off. So any mm. character development he has, and he's a dog, so he needs another character to bounce it off, he can't really do. Yeah, and Lou's sort of the perfect conduit for that as well because he doesn't have many character traits in The Simpsons, so having him as a authority figure or the you know the experienced cop for the dog to bounce against, uh, it really does ride itself, and it's a shame that it didn't. Yeah, then mm. we can get more of it because what we get is pretty funny. I do like when you know they first start chasing Snake, the character, not the snake. <laughs> um, he's like freeze, Snake runs. They always run. Why don't we just say run? Yeah. <laughs> But ultimately, did it feel like an episode of The Simpsons? Sure. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, definitely a teens era episode of The Mm. Simpsons. I don't have a lot of problem with the character integrity except for Santa's Little Helper. I felt like he was too knowing. Mm. Yeah, again, if you had a scene where he starts coming into his own during Police Academy, that would tie together the Santa's Little Helper who has a watering can on his head to the Santa's Little Helper we end up seeing. Yeah. Yeah, I would have, I mean, for me at least, who hasn't been a very, you know, avid watcher of the teens and the, you know, past that as well. If you'd have presented Santa's Little Helper without the watering can on his head, I would have been like, oh, Santa's Little Helper has grown intelligence. Like, that's just something that mm, they run with yeah. now. Like, he's a little more cluey as a dog. Within that one episode, if you remove that watering can scene, he strikes me as a more intelligent character. But I buy that if I'm just watching it for the first time. Yeah, to be fair, they do give him moments of intelligence across the series, like the Stampy episode where he and Snowball to <laughs> like learn to play the piano. Like we love you. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So he's got moments. And actually, on that, I did like it was totally well within Snowball 2's character as well, just to be a cat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll take you for a walk. Come on. <laughs> no. Have you ever seen that people taking cats for walks? Yeah, it's weird. It's a very strange quality. I think cats take people for walks in that instance. Um, (laughs) The people are just there for the ride. The cats are leading. I have seen, like, the Russian circus, and I've seen a cat, like, juggle. So, it's... What? You've seen a cat juggle? Like a house cat? Yeah, like, they they put it on its back and then give it a stick and it twirls it around, and it's obviously a little bit animal cruelty because how did it learn? It didn't learn that by nature. But um, it's also, like... I didn't even know that was a thing possible for a cat. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Because, yeah, I was just going to talk about, yeah, the weirdos around the inner west who, you know, are wearing steampunk hats and walking their cats. (laughs) Well, when you say steampunk hats, it really paints that as a very different picture. Now I know why they're doing it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, otherwise, character integrity, I think, 
there are some sort of teens era traits of Homer that I wasn't a fan of in this episode, especially that whole are uh, we breaking up thing with Marge and yeah, the maze. That went forever. Yeah, and it was it felt like a real disservice to when they actually did break up. That's mm. kind of where mm. I went to. I was like, hey, didn't you make a whole episode about this one thing about Homer's insecurities and dependence mm-hmm. on his relationship mm-hmm. with his wife? Uh, this feels yeah. bad. And it's just sort of boring to have Dan Castellaneta go through this whole fucking routine that's, mm. yeah, just all about how long can we drag this out. And, yep. Yeah. There's no comedy in there because there's no stakes. Yeah, exactly. You know, we know the end of the, the joke before it starts. Yeah, and it ate up time that could have been better used elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's dumb because the family all go out at the same time, so all they did was just leave Homer somewhere. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, it didn't make sense story-wise. But anyway, yes or no, would you watch this one again? I'm going to say mm, yes, I would. Uh, yeah, I'm going to call it a laundry episode. Yeah? Yeah, I'll pop it on formal laundry i'm not gonna pay full attention i don't think there's much else to mine from this but hey, it's pretty good this is just a condo app yep just chill out mm-hmm. fold and things mm-hmm. wondering if they spark joy yep <laughs> but do you hold the simpsons episode and wonder if it sparks joy oh, whoa, whoa, oh whoa. that's a, that's that's a, that's another question yeah mm. that's assuming i can feel joy <laughs> <laughs> yeah i might watch this episode again i think laundry is a good sort of benchmark for it but mm. you know episodes that we'd at least maybe watch again we like to think about what playlist we'd put this in what are some other simpsons episodes that you think would pair well with this one i'd pair this with marge becomes a police officer oh wow yeah that felt kind of beat for beat very similar to this episode just replace Bart with uh, Homer and Santa's Little Helper with Marge, and I think it's fairly the same structure, huh. I think. That's interesting. Yeah, I didn't think about oh, yeah, that. It's basically, um, yeah, Marge the cop again, only for Bart instead of Homer. Ooh, duck pond episodes. Mm-hmm. I'll take you to the most duck-filled pond you ever sat by. And some say <laughs> Joe used to sit in that over lake over there with those ducks. <laughs> uh, any other episodes that remind you of this one? What's the one where uh, Santa's Little Helper goes to school? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, they're going to give him away otherwise, yeah. Yep. Doggy training days, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the one where uh, there's the shot of the snakes eating the children um, in the school. <laughs> as it, it's yeah, just, it kind of slides a, along. That's right. It's a cutaway, yeah. Oh, the school snake, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, actually, Martin's show-and-tell projects <laughs> being destroyed by most often one of Bart's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, so what would you like to change about this episode? We'll start with you, BT. Um, just more laugh-laugh. Again, I think cut some of those long, drawn-out jokes and give us a bit more bit more Santa's Little Helper on the beat and a bit more Bark with Strangles and make Strangles just the, you know, apathetic character a snake would be. And how about you, Chris? What would you like to change about this episode? I think you can shave about two minutes off the start, and that will fill out the rest with character development of Bart not playing well with the snake, with Santa's little helper on the job a bit more, and it gets rid of the scene where Lisa's thrown up into the air a lot. Homer's freak out over oh. the uh, the marriage. Mm-hmm. A lot of that is yeah, kind of that redundant. Lisa getting thrown up was another one that I just thought dragged out too long and only served to eat time. Yeah. Uh, I think you could pretty much start them when they're going into the, like when Lisa picks up that squash or whatever, like when they're in the, the Harvest Festival. Mm. All of that stuff at the start about Oktoberfest doesn't serve anything. It doesn't have any reflection nope. on the rest of the plot. Yeah, I just a little bit tighter. Yeah, because like, the only thing that I really liked about this Harvest Festival bit was them pointing out that there's always these sort of things. Like for us, it's like the Royal Easter show where yeah. parents drag the kids and there's like a lot of fun things to do. But part of the experience of going to these things 
is looking at a bunch of fucking food and animals. Mm. And, like, there was one year where I went to the Royal Easter show and, like, there's rides and stuff, but my older brother and mum just wanted to look at every fucking sheep. And then we got to the cow thing and they wanted to look at every fucking cow and I'm like, but the tilter whirl the splashy roller coaster. Yeah, that's the thing. If you've seen a cow, you've seen every cow. Exactly. Uh, Until you not, see a hairy cow. Not, not if you live in regional Australia. I <laughs> We had, a, they're all over Australia, field days where farmers show mm. off equipment and animals and... Oh boy, it is a, <laughs> you haven't seen a cow until you've seen it standing next to a farmer because uh, you're going to learn a lot about that cow and all cows uh, and every other animal. Uh, it's a time, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but they clearly have, yeah, the rides to lure in the kids, but oh, yeah, yeah, they they trick now, you. Now mm. we're going to learn about cows, children. <laughs> and different kinds of squash. And no, chocolate milk doesn't come from brown cows. <laughs> No, that's <laughs> stupid. What I'd like to change about the episode, completely agree, yeah. So shave two minutes off the start, totally with you on that. But I think there's a real missed opportunity with them locking up Snake, Santa's little helper getting really bitter and like angry and a mm. bit jaded maybe about that whole experience. And then Snake not having anything to do with the end when there's a snake there. He's a snake. I mean, he's a people like Homer, but he's also a snake. <laughs> don't so say that I out th- loud. You'll give them ideas. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know it's a really dumb connection to the make, but I, I do honestly, I am disappointed that Snake has nothing to do with the end of this episode. Mm. Mm. Like, I know it is more about Bart and Santa's little helper, but I don't know. I kind of wish like Santa's little helper did the bust that put Snake away at the end of the episode that sort of made him feel like, ah, I can close this book on the life and go back to Bart. Yeah, or like maybe Strangles subdues Snake the character and then they're like, oh, we'll have a police snake instead of a police dog. We don't need you anymore. Go back to Bart. Yeah, there we go. It's not great. I'm just strangles helps Snake get away. He busts into the school and does something awful, and uh, Santa's little helper has to stop him. Mm -hmm. Stops him, but he gets away because of strangles. Strangles portrays Bart because sticks with his own kind. Sticks with his own kind. Snakes go with snakes. Yeah, Yeah. there we go. There's something in there, but it's a shame they missed whatever it was. I know, and it's based on a pun, so it's inherently like probably should be avoided. But still, puns are funs. Anyway, yeah, so we're here. Chris, do you have any other notes? There was some really solid animation of the snake in the chemistry lab mm. with the the Bunsen burners and the, uh, you know, proportions of the snake. Um, yeah, and there was a great sign joke there of the ethanol oh, yeah, that he yeah. knocks over, then the nitric acid. <laughs> do not <laughs> mix, mix with, with ethanol. ethanol. Yeah, I quite I like, like that in the world. The cornucopia guy getting dragged away screaming was fantastic. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> um, and the oh, fr- is that what those things are called? Yeah, cornucopia. the cornucopia, which comes from the Greek word, I think, for like plentiful or bountiful. Mm. Oh, right. Like a cornucopia of something means like a, a lot of. So a cornucopia itself is like a lot of food. So stuffing a yeah. cornucopia is like, oh, look, I've got so much food, but actually they don't. Uh, there you ah. go. Learning what cornucopias are <laughs> with dun, country dun, boy dun, Chris. No, 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 no. The freak on a leash moment wasn't like unpleasant. The animation was cool and like a nice kind of nod to the music video. Yeah, I think those were. And, you know, to reiterate, Santa's little helper biting Bart on the leg, it going into like clearly we're going into ad territory now. There's an ad break here. Mm. And when Santa's Little Helper doesn't, like, show worry or concern, like, usually it would be like, you know, the the sting at the end where someone's done something wrong and Mm. they instantly turn sad, they realise what they've done wrong. 
that Santa's Little yeah. Helper just kind of straight eyeballing where Bart is and still growling and frowning. Like, I was like, oh, cool. Great. Yeah. We're sticking with it. Mm. How about you, BT? Any other notes? Mm-hmm. I do like they have the uh, maze electrified for your enjoyment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, again, didn't eat the extra bite of the signs are also electrified. Uh, well, I was taking a note at that point, so I missed that. <laughs> um, I really like Wiggum's bit where he's like, okay, it's going to be an intense two weeks now. Well, actually, Friday's 4th of July, so we'll probably take Thursday off as well. And Wednesday, we'll all be thinking about Thursday. You know what? Let's just take the week off and then cut. And he's like, why did you let me do that? We are so far behind. <laughs> yeah. I really enjoyed that as well. <laughs> it's a good bit. Yeah. In an episode without too many jokes, that really stood out as a great one. Uh, I do like the pamphlet, Your New Weird Pet. Yep. Simpsons <laughs> pamphlet's always good for a laugh. And just the bit right at the end where, you know, Santa's help, little helper is trying to go back into the toxic cloud infested school and Lou's holding him back and Wiggum's just like, forget it, Lou. He's not following his nose anymore. He's following his heart. It's like, sometimes I forget why you're the chief, but now I remember. It's yeah. Like, dramatic stuff. Which I got to say, like, I guess you could argue that all their like snippy relationshipy back and forth stuff earlier in the episode was leading to that moment. But I think that would work in isolation without yeah, any of that other shit. Yeah. All right. And as for my final notes, did I do my final notes last time? or do we, I mean, like, I, I felt I, like you didn't do the song. I didn't do the song. So. Felt weird, but yeah, I guess we covered all my justify, Justified. Well, you want it now? Uh, no, I don't know. Do I? And now <laughs> it's time, and now it's time for his final notes. Elliot's final notes. I mean, I maintain you get one, but <laughs> I don't want you to get zero. Yeah. I said the Lou Santa's little helper thing in the car was a reference to Training Day, but it might have actually been a reference to Airbud Five Strong Arms <laughs> of the Poor. Yep. There were two jokes at the end scene that I really didn't like, which was when Strangles is at the dinner table. I think that whole sequence just kind of sucked. And yeah. Especially, yeah, referencing the whole Bart and Homer choking thing. And yeah, Strangles choking Homer just took way too long. Yeah, I like the, I like the idea, but it just went too long. Yeah, mm. and the whole shamrock shake back and forth. It's just... Mm. Eating time. Yeah. I can taste the mint in there. Oh, maybe you only perceive it that way because uh, it's just... Come on, guys. You got a story to tell here. Come on. Come on. Joke's over. Mm. <laughs> All right. It's time to rank this thing. BT, your turn to go first. Mm. I'm going to go with a bronze because I had a good enough time with the story. It does need some more laughs, and that really could have helped it along. I'm on the bronze participant border... But maybe my participant rankings have gone to more ones that just were empty to me. It was just, you know, it had some moments. Got a few good few laughs out of it, mostly from Wiggum. And uh, yeah, it's got that heart. It's got some story. I'm going to go bronze. All right. How about you, Chris? I'm going to go bronze as well. I thought it might go into silver, but the ending was pretty disappointing. Particularly all of the stuff with Strangles, Snake, going to a willy, I just thought was a waste. It had a lot of heart, I thought. Some pretty good comedy moments. Just felt like it needed maybe another look over, and it could have been a really solid episode. Um, it's a pretty good formula. They, they've done it before with Marge. They've done it before with Santa's Little Helper and Bart's relationship. Like They're good foundations to build stuff on. It just felt like there was a bit of stuff that was superfluous and not used efficiently. So, bronze. Yeah, absolutely. This is, like for me, the best of the hangover test. You know, mm. This is an episode that'll absolutely be serviceable and you can even pull a few things from it but yeah as a whole as a package there's just it left me wanting it a lot at times and but you know not angry mm. just uh yeah anyway describing my feelings with sounds now so did you actually say a rank in all that i wasn't paying attention i think i said bronze oh 
Maybe. Good. Cool. Bronze nah. across the board. All right. Unanimous bronze. Only the second episode from season 18 to get this ranking, and it'll be joining Ice Cream of Margie with the light blue hair when Homer becomes an ice cream truck man. That's a long title for that. Mm. <laughs> it just Couldn't it just been the ice cream cometh? Or something. Ice cream man cometh. I don't know. God, that's... Well, they did something clever because they worked in Marge as well, who also gets into making popsicle stick art in that episode. Okay, I forgot about that part. (laughs) Yeah. It's an odd and cute episode. Hmm. All right. Now we are moving on to our classic era episode and what a classic we have. We are going to be watching season eight, Homer's Phobia. We will be back. And we are back, and we just watched our classic and final episode for the evening. This was Season 8, Episode 15, Homer's Phobia. First released in February 1997, it was directed by Mike B. Anderson, written by Ron Haig. In this episode, this is the one where the Simpson family meet John, a guy who owns a kitschy store, and then Homer gets all gay panicky when he finds out that he is gay. Hey, what'd we think? I really love this episode. Uh, I picked it. I think it's a really memorable episode. It's one that stuck with me for a long time. I think not just because I'm bisexual, but for maybe that reason as well. But yeah, it's a a formative episode for me, uh, watching of The Simpsons. Yeah, I mean, it's a good episode. I was a little focused, I think, on like the correctness of it and how woke it was to do my usual analytics on it. But uh, yeah, it's it's a good ride. Yeah, because, like, especially, you know, when we go back and watch episodes of television of a mm. time that are tackling these issues, sometimes it doesn't exactly doesn't work, work out. doesn't work out too well, yeah. And I mm. haven't seen this one in, like, geez, like, 15 years or something, so... Yeah. Like, especially, sort of, I did recent rewatches of both South Park and Family Guy, and at times there was serious big woofs going on. But this one kind of surprised me how, mm. like especially for a late 90s show where some sitcoms and <clears throat> friends um, <laughs> were doing a lot of gay panicky storylines. I think this one had a lot of nuance to it. Mm. Yeah, it, in the uh, weird thing to kind of flex on, but in the queer academic world, it's actually looked on pretty favorably. There's a lot of mm. queer writers who talk about this episode as being really important in pop culture as kind of like around the same time Ellen came out on her right. TV show, this was about to come out as well. So it was like a really kind of like tumultuous, important six to 12 months. Yeah. Hmm. Well, especially like, because this is one where it could have very easily gone the other way. And especially when they're walking that line with Homer being pretty obscene at times. Yeah, but I think Mm. that's always the point. What I kind of walked away from this is anytime he's got a big, long spiel, you know he's wrong. And I think they always Mm. do well to draw to that. Yeah, they frame him as, Mm. even from the instance, like he's the one who's wrong. Even the title of the episode, his phobia is like, uh, he's the position to get it wrong. Yeah, because the first thing he says when he finds out is like, no, the property value has dropped. And it's just so absurd, you know already what side the show is on compared to the character. Yeah. Mm. Well, let's hook into the questionnaire. Chris, we'll start with you. For better or worse, what's a moment that stands out to you? I think my one of my favorite lines to quote is uh, John's uh, little zap of his laser gun uh, when he shoots <laughs> Homer when he's sitting in his car. And he just yeah. has a zap. I remember yeah. it being such a such a queer moment and such like a, ah, oh, Right, you know, that's how um, we kind of present sometimes, and that's what uh, effeminate kind of gay men sometimes present as. But it's just such a funny line, and um, John Waters does such an amazing job in this as a guest star. It's just like, actually, everything he does is is fantastic. So he's my big standout. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. And yeah, the one guest star for the episode, John Waters, and yeah, famed filmmaker and queer icon and just an absolute delight throughout this whole episode. And he was also a, a writer's consultant as well, where he helped sort of smooth out a lot of the dialogue in this, which I think was monumentally important. Mm. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, but also good that they actually did consult him on it, because otherwise they'd just be like, this is what we think is, it's our show, they're done. And yeah. Then, you know. Yeah, I don't think he would have given such a good performance as well if he'd not mm. been consulted. And they clearly love his work, because in when he's first introduced, there's a pink flamingo in the background, which is obviously like a nod to his film work. Um, ah. And his brand as a person as well. But yeah, one of his like kind of infamous like kitsch plastic flamingos is in the background. And it's like, oh, good. They've done their research. They know who this man is. Or he's told them at least. But Yeah. <laughs> well, he's even like been quoted as saying that, you know, and a lot of celebrities sort of say this is that, you know, he meant something for, of course, a big generation before. But mm. The Simpsons did bring in a whole new audience for him. And he's always surprised, you know, the amount of people that discovers him as, and the simpsons is the starting point and then immediately goes zap because <laughs> how could you not i mean really yeah <laughs> i wonder how many times he's been zapped with in, invisible ray guns uh, i'm gonna wager a lot <laughs> yeah <laughs> how about you bt what stands out to you from this episode for better or worse i'm just gonna make up a couple of quick ones i do really like skinner shopping for a non-partisan uh, campaign button may the better man win let's have a good clean election I agree. Let's see more of that. I got real, um, oh, you're looking for wuss bets vibe over <laughs> from this one. No, no. I, was, I like it. I like it as a concept. Let's back it. But main thing I want to draw to is, you know, this whole thing starts when Bart's using the dryer for a lottery and they have to pay the gas bill, which is $900. And because of that debt, they have to sell, you know, an old figurine they own. Whereas in the HD era, Homer spends $600 on Pokemon Go. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, this is back mm. when Simpson, the idea of Simpsons being just a regular middle-class family was an integral thing to the show. And, yeah, it's absolutely lost that over the years. But it's a simple one. And we get some great jokes out of it. him lifting that thing of pennies, which I've <laughs> seen, like, upside down, like, water coolers of pennies in people's homes. It's like, how heavy is that? Oh, God. <laughs> Drops it and just tunnels down. It's like, hello, China? little help <laughs> well because like i've got that myself i've got like one of those silver tins you get from patron tequila mm. and yeah that's my money box and yeah i tried to lift it recently <laughs> and it's not that big it's about the size of a bottle of tequila and yeah, yeah i was too buckling at the knees and <laughs> <laughs> expected that if i dropped it i'd have a new hole through my house yep. it's actually really funny i have a, a pink flamingo money box <laughs> as my own little <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a uh, ceramic and it's a uh, pink little flamingo money box, which I keep everything in. But they get really heavy, su like, surprisingly. Like, they, mm -hmm. it stacks up. Money's heavy. <laughs> yeah. Weird sidetrack money box story I can throw in real quick if you want. I was at Vinny's once with a friend. We just walk around looking at random odds and ends. And there was like, someone had like a ceramic sperm, but it was like a coin bank. So it was a sperm oh bank. Oh my God. Uh, that's yeah, fantastic. That was, was a good pun. But there was literally, there was a little kid who literally looked to his mom, looked at the thing and said, mom, what's that? Uh. And like me and the, <laughs> my friend and the woman behind the counter are all just there trying not to laugh. And mom's like, it's a tadpole. <laughs> good <laughs> save. Yeah. I know. Well done, mom. But it was just a yeah. moment of... Yeah, nice pun for the thing itself. And then just everyone around the kid just be like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, everyone just watching this woman be like, let's see you get out of this one. <laughs>
And what stands out to me is something that I really didn't pick up on in my early watches. And, you know, we're talking about, you know, the episode trying to frame the characters in the way that, you know, you know who's on the wrong end at all times. Mm. When Homer goes to talk to his friends about it, being Mo and Barney, yeah. and then talking, why can't they just be like us? And it's like... Yeah, this is what the future that straight men want, you know. This is <laughs> idea of what's better. Like, Dingy bars mm. and loneliness. And yeah, especially <laughs> using Mo and Barney as, yeah, the other people in this whole thing, I think was pretty good casting. Yeah, and I do mm. like Homer effectively just goes to an echo chamber and yeah. that's where all his fears get like amplified and uh, re-established. No, absolutely. And like, I think it's also sold with... Marge at one point going, oh, you don't even know what you're uh, worried about anymore. <laughs> and I think that's really clever in this whole episode with Homer's gay panic is that, yeah, he doesn't actually really have a direction or anything. Hey, it's all just panic. Yeah. Yeah. And he's struggling to articulate what he's scared of, but mm. it comes from, it's this idea of them taking over or them taking stuff from him. Mm. Like even the word queer is like, it's this idea that he won't have something over them and he like wrestles with the he gets so fucking close to like expressing what is effectively like i won't have all the power i won't have the privilege actually he does because he's like that was yeah. our word and you took we it, need yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, we need it and it's like yeah that's what you're wrestling with your ability to keep them down not yeah not a tangible threat mm. it's really interesting and yeah i just get so many flashes of yeah, so many people these days that get all panicky about that sort of, yeah, they're taking over mentality where it's like, you know, it's not a bad thing. Just mm -hmm. calm down. Like, <laughs> yeah, again, the meme post of the gay agenda, mostly brunch. Yeah. 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 But yeah, the idea that you're going to lose your house and your culture and all this fucking shit. Like, I feel like this episode does so well at making it all seem so ridiculous. Even their solution is like, we've got to kill something. Yeah. Why? <laughs> that'll make him, no, that'll make him I, straight. I really love that that's supported when he bumps into Marge and he's like, we're going to go take Bart hunting, make him a man. It's like, you never went hunting when you were a kid and you turned out perfectly straight. So, oh yeah, when was the last time you had a baby? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Again, Marge pointing out though that you've never hunted in your life and it's like, yeah, why do you think this will work? Mm. Like, <laughs> yeah. Because his echo chamber said so. Mm. Mm -hmm. Play count. How many times before today have you seen this episode? I've seen it maybe 10, 8 or 10 times, I would say. Yeah? Yeah, I reckon that's roughly accurate for me as well. I remember, it's not a contest. May the better man win. I've that's seen right. it so many more times than both, probably both yeah. combined. I just wanted a non-partisan moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> not on this podcast. It's been a lot. I've seen this episode quite a lot. Because, mm. you know, it's one of those ones that the Channel 10 or, or whoever yeah. would rerun re it a lot. Yeah. No, absolutely. And yeah, I'm a big fan of season eight as well. So yeah, definitely hit the high rotation on the DVDs there. But wackiness, was this a particularly wacky episode of The Simpsons? I mean, there's an entire nightclub in a steel mill. <laughs> they just yeah, ascend steel from mill. the floor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I'd say the, the solution as well, them going to, um, what do you call it? The Santa, the um, yeah. reindeer farm. Is, is a nice wackiness, the gunshot not being an actual gun, but the mm. horns of them clashing is kind of mm. wacky. It's good and, uh, and that it's a whiskey bottle, I think, is a nice swerve. <laughs> <laughs> and then follow that up with, let it be a monument to Grandma's secret drinking problem. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Steering right into it. It's great. Yeah. And of course, all the deer had already left when the state park converted to AstroTurf. 
That's right. <laughs> I think, I There's think lots the, of quips in this episode that are really strong, I think. Like, lots of yeah. little cultural nods and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I think all the wackiness is kind of in the fringes like that. Like, the robot from Clank Clank, You're Dead, still yeah. having mm. the corpse inside of it and things like that. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Yeah, in an episode that's, you know, surprisingly woke, yeah, Lisa not using the right terminology there, but, you know. It was the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> actually in the toy store as well the wackiness of pogo stilts <laughs> yeah. that was a good um yeah homer getting hurt off screen moment really loved that i just what happened <laughs> <laughs> really left it up to your imagination to guess which part of him got hit by a flying pogo stilt <laughs> but yeah the the steel mill as well like <laughs> i gotta be honest i don't actually know how to take this scene personally. no i was much the same way i'm like if there's a problematic scene this might be it but i'm dangerously underqualified yeah. <laughs> um, nah, it's, it, it serves. The only thing, I guess, is that, like, it was the 90s and queer people were kind of making it easy for the rest of society to figure us out by putting ourselves in, like, categories. Mm. So, like, mm. do you guys remember when Queer Eye for the Straight Guy came out? There are five different types of gay person. That's just yeah, it. Right. That's just how it is. This is sort of it, I think. They're kind of a foil to the John characters. Like, oh, those are mm. largely, and Wayland Smithers, those are the three kind of what <laughs> we loosely define as gay characters. Like, w- those are the three archetypes that you have. The, mm. the Wayland character, the John character, and the Steel Mill Boys. And that's, you know, it's dated, but it's not terribly, like, a bad thing. I don't, it's yeah. not, certainly not punching down. Yeah, I do feel like it sort of falls into this whole episode thing of, you know, taking the ridiculous things up to 11 and... Yeah, that's what makes it okay by just hyper-exaggeration. I will say Rock Bottom has kind of ruined my brain a little bit, the meme site Rock Bottom, because there's one where the guy's like, hot stuff coming through, and it's got... But it's got Mr. Snrub when uh, Mr. Burns is dressed up as Mr. Snrub. It's a hot snrub coming through. And, like, and it's such a dumb meme, but it keeps popping up in my head. Like, <laughs> That's fantastic. I saw one where it was, yeah, the hot stuff coming through, but he's carrying the Guatemalan insanity peppers uh, and Homer reaches in and grabs one and then it's the whole hallucination thing. Yeah, yeah. Ah, Simpsons memeing is fun. (laughs) That's so good, isn't it? (laughs) And I was thinking as well, like, that CNC Music Factory song absolutely pumps. It does. You're like, oh, we don't have to listen to this. I'm like, "Eh?" (laughs) Mm yeah. I'm going to put it on afterwards. After we're finished recording, I'm just going to chuck it on just for myself, I think. (laughs) But it was something, yeah, in the episode, yeah, the chorus, I'm like, yeah, this is slamming. And then... As the credits roll, they actually they do they the rap. The oh my god, mm. I forgot how bad the rap it's was. The though. most <laughs> 90s this rap this side of Will Smith. Don't let Sean catch you uh, saying that. He loves Will Smith. Loves him too oh, much. I already. didn't say anything negative. I just said it was very, very 90s. <laughs> yes, very true. He likes Will Smith. <laughs> oh, he loves Will Smith. He, uh, oh, oh. He, he loves even the movies, the Wild Wild West movie. Oh, Jesus. He's I got, know, like, right? Big Willie style and Will Millennium, all those mm-hmm. greatest mm-hmm. albums. Tattooed across oh, yeah. his knuckles. <laughs> yeah, he, he can recite all of, like, a couple of his songs. Yeah, it's a, it's a worry. <laughs> uh, is there any more wackiness to talk about, actually? I feel like maybe I skipped over that. I, I think, like, some of the wackiness is also, like, the sincere heart stuff, which is kind of weird, just because of how, like, thin Homer's fear for Bart is. The pink cakes mm. versus the chocolate cakes. <laughs> in, yeah. Like, that's a, a weird, wacky thing, kind of heart, but, like, it's a genuine reflection. Like, I knew guys who were like, oh, if you eat, like, strawberry or pink stuff, you're mm. gay. Whereas if you like chocolate, that's a real man's thing. I'm yeah. like, and you look at that, and you're like, geez. Those were real concerns that people had. Like, <laughs> what food you eat is a yeah, reflection that, that, on your sexuality. 
They're the yeah. example of their diet sodas in this one. They're not going to turn him yeah. back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, I've seen it as, you know, um, getting older, seeing more of friends and stuff having kids and mm. won't name names or anything. But yeah, I saw one where it's like, the kid said essentially that, yeah, his favorite color was pink. And the dad was like, oh, we don't really want him to keep saying that. He's like, no, you're like blue. And it's come on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If liking a color can change your sexuality, that then your sexuality is not based on anything. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> But yeah, just these stupid lines that are drawn like about what is and what isn't. Yeah, it's... I mean, we grew up in the nineties. That was definitely a playground thing, you know. Yeah. Oh, totally. I, I'm a I'm a bisexual guy, but the amount of times I would use "Hey, you're gay" when I was like, you know, ten mm. or twelve as an insult was like, yeah, you know, and it was thrown around, and it wasn't yeah. a good thing, but it was part of the the culture then. Yeah. No, absolutely, and yeah, it's still something that I struggle with with some people I know who still sort of use gay to say lame but i know they're not like mm. anti or anything mm. but it's yeah. just sort it's, of that it, ingrained into them it's a hangover from yeah like a pastime when it was culturally acceptable when it was cool and you're like mm, yeah and it's good when you know the person because you're like i know where that's coming from and i know they yeah. don't mean the harshness yeah. of it no absolutely it's um yeah, these conversations we still have to keep having, and which kind of makes this episode, especially being, you know, god damn, this is, o this is 23 years old this year. Mm. Like, yeah, this is a surprisingly woke take for something from that era. Totally. And it still exists. I mean, that Homer's opinion, like, you know, it's quite an old episode, but like, I knew people when I was living in regional South Australia who were like, my son is gay, they're not getting their inheritance. And I'm like, cool. Uh, I won't tell you that they're gay then. I'll let them cross that bridge. But like parents Yikes. of kids and stuff, it was like, yeah, it's like, it's still real. It's still a thing yeah. out there, you know, as much as we love to think that things are changing, they are, but um, in some places slower than others. Yeah. I mean, help. you mentioned the plebiscite only just passing. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, especially, you know, we're recording out of Castle Hill, which was one of the only like Sydney suburbs to get a majority no vote. And oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It was like about a percent in it, but it's still so disappointing. Like, mm. we're, we've got a conservative uh, member of parliament. Clearly. Yeah. Fuck you, Alex Hawke, you piece of shit. Hey, nice. <laughs> but how about the heart of this episode? Did you guys feel any bumps? I mean, the bit where Homer holds up Bart and starts giving a bold speech about sudden there comes a time in every man's life where yeah. he must boom. But no, it, it, before the joke, it's, you know, he's literally holding his son up to protect him. It's, it's a beautiful moment. Hmm. Totally. I think the heart, it's not so much a big heart moment. Um, it's a learning episode, hmm. you know, yeah, where like, you know, a character learns a thing. But definitely at the end when Homer turns around and says, like, I don't care whatever you turn out to be, whoever you want to, like, date or whatever, I'll still love you. And I'm like, yeah, good, good. Mm. That's the tick we need. Yeah, I'm, it's sort of interesting as well that it was sort of all so oblivious to Bart and then, like, yeah, <laughs> I guess he's having this, like, thinking moment at the end, but I don't know. I think The Simpsons has always kind of a little bit hinted that Bart is a bit of a queer icon throughout its history. Every now and then, yeah. you, you could build a case. Yeah. Yeah. I think they like to keep it ambiguous just so that they don't ever have to, like, confirm it. But, yeah. Yeah, heart-wise as well, I think the family and John is a really important thing that they're sort of just having fun and mm. just, like, ignoring Homer. Like, Yeah, which I think is then adding to his sense that it's being taken from him. Okay, yeah. But that's more because he's insisted and he's not going. So. Yeah. 
he's done it to himself, but at the same time, it's becomes that thing that reinforces his problem. Yeah. Mm. But no, I think it's great, you know, the amount of heart that the family are showing to John just because he's a nice guy and mm. all the rest of that stuff is, yeah, quite really irrelevant. Yeah, he's, he's seen as a smart guy. He shows them around town. He entertains them. He's he's a good person. He knows um, where every celebrity embarrasses themselves. Mm. In yeah. this sordid little burg. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the episode showing that he does have a presence in Springfield as well, that, yeah, he knew that there'd not be any deer anywhere or... Mm that um, he, he blew off Wayland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this is your sick mother. Don't do this to me. <laughs> it, it has him as a person in a place in this town, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, rather than a caricature, which he could easily be. Mm. Yeah, none, none, I don't feel like a lot of the jokes are really like directly referencing that. Like, yeah, he is kitschy and campy and stuff, but it's like, yeah, I felt like his characterization was very well handled in this episode. And especially because, you know, we have noticed a lot of, like, really reductive caricatures, like, mm. just across the board with a lot of modern Simpsons. So, yeah. Yeah, again, it's happened so much, there's a term for it. Yeah. And the fact that they've only got him for this episode and they flesh him out fast enough and well mm. enough that he feels like a genuine character is a testament to the writing at that time. Yeah, yeah and I think the voice actor yeah, brings it a lot, uh, a lot of that in as well. Yeah, John does a great job. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, gotta love John in this episode. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, did it feel like an episode, an epi- uh, episode, an episode? Ha! <laughs> Take two. Sorry, it's warm. Mm. <laughs> but ultimately, did this feel like an episode of The Simpsons? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've read it's been argued that Homer is a little too jerky in this episode, but... We do always have the problem where, yeah, Homer being a jerk, but it's also that's needed and that's the point. But then is that then a betrayal of character? I guess it's never really come up before, so it's hard to really say if that's a betrayal of it or anything. Or has it? This was season eight. Yeah. If it hasn't come up before, I'd say it's pretty spot on. I know a lot of, like, lovely people or and have heard stories of lovely people who have, like, turned mm. when they encounter someone who's queer or gay yeah. who are just like, yep, we're out. And they, they, like, revert or, like, turn into, like, someone that's quite nasty or quite, you know is really out of character for them. So I'm, I'm actually okay with it. As as it feels really harsh, it's maybe more accurate almost. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And especially because, yeah, a lot of like Simpsons portrayal is like, yeah, this Midwestern family, it's, it'd probably be pretty prevalent for um, mm. that sort of attitude to happen and take over and otherwise seemingly nice people. And yeah, I didn't actually think about that, but the episode does a really good job of demonstrating it where mm. Homer was so happy to dance with this person, <laughs> but then... The property mm. value. Yeah, the property value. <laughs> and also he goes to his friends and they're like, kill a guy, kill an animal. Those are the only ways you're going to save him. Also, your kid's a vegetarian? Oh my God, what what have you done wrong? Yeah, like, yeah. you and seriously my cousins? Up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's what's great is because the character who's saying this is so despicable and despisable. Like, mm. but yes or no, would you watch this episode again? Yes, I would. Yeah, sure. Of course I'm going to watch it again. And in episodes we'd like to watch again, we think about what playlist would put them in. What episodes would pair nicely with this one? Do any others mention CNC Music Factory? Um, <laughs> I swear there's another Everybody Dance Now I feel, moment. Oh, there's a Every Simpson Dance Now with Marge covers it. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, go with <laughs> that one. That's the, what, Allison one? Yeah, yeah, a lot yeah. of the dance. Mm-hmm. I'd put it with when Lisa goes to Washington. Mm. Oh, yeah. It feels like a very um, we all learn a thing at the end of the episode episode. feels like a mm-hmm. morality episode, for lack of a better word. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm trying to think of, yeah, if Homer's being, like, boorish in this way. Oh, uh, Lisa oh. the Vegetarian. I'd say it's exactly oh, the course. same. It's beat for beat, <laughs> basically the same. <laughs> that, no, that's a really good point. He gets, like, literally offended that his daughter's uh, not eating meat anymore. I mean, you don't yeah. win friends with salad. You don't win friends with salad, especially not a uh, BBBQ. <laughs> uh, with BBT Callaway. <laughs> anyway. Mm-hmm. Don't turn me into a sandwich. I'm going to say uses of spray cheese. <laughs> Where Marge is just making the, the snacks and Maggie just skulls the bottle. Yeah. <laughs> or anything with, yeah, whipped cream or whipped cheese. Yep. And you guys I- ever had whipped cheese? Uh, no, the concept is horrifying. Yeah, mm-hmm. it terrifies me. Yeah, I mean, I was in America once and I just had to get it and it was just so much worse than I could imagine. Could you try and describe it for me? Because I'm really interested to know what it's like without tasting it. Um, well, that's the thing, because like, I was expecting it to come out like whipped cream and maybe it's mm. just a particular brand of cheese it that I got, mm. but it just kind of slimed out of there. Mm. And the closest thing I could compare it to would be like that cream cheese spread that you can get. But mm. like the orange one, but it tasting a bit more chemically. Chemical mm. spread cheese. Yeah. Okay. That sounds I mean, that- uh, awful, but good to know. <laughs> yeah, no wonder they changed the name. <laughs> and yeah, also mentions of Fluffernutters. <laughs> High C and Fluffernutters. Another horrifying American snack, which, do you know what a Fluffernutter is, Chris? No, I have no idea. There's this marshmallow spread, like a sandwich spread that's based on marshmallows Mm -hmm. in America called Fluff. Mm -hmm. Oh, I do know that. I know what Fluff is. An ex-girlfriend of mine used to eat it out of the tub. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. Like a bear? Yeah, like a bear. (laughs) Like Andy? (laughs) What she'd do is she'd go into the supermarket and like growl at the, and just kind of knock it off. And I'd end up having to pay for it. (laughs) Uh, but no, I, I know fluff. So fluff and nutters is like fluff on, on like a biscuit. So it's a sandwich with that and peanut butter. Oh, no. Yeah, oh, yes. Oh, oh That's my the God. appropriate reaction. <laughs> I mean, I guess don't knock it till you try it. But, uh... Yeah. Also, as a diabetic, I think that's literally like a sandwich bullet for me. <laughs> That'll just kill me. I know of ambrosia, which the southern states make, which is uh, like pineapple and marshmallows like in a gelatin or something like that um which might be uh like a guillotine for a diabetic i think yep um let's take my foot (laughs) yeah it's a foot guillotine yeah (laughs) oh is that what that is because i heard it mentioned on one of the recent seasons of bojack is that Mm. everybody here just makes ambrosia that's right that's why that's actually why i looked it up i was watching exactly (laughs) that episode i was like what is that shit and yeah it's it's like mini marshmallows and like uh pineapples and it's basically like a fruit salad with more sugar (laughs) so i took that as the literal term ambrosia which is meant to be like the greek food of the gods (laughs) yeah (laughs) and i was confused by that moment i didn't know it was a horrifying gelatin dessert (laughs) <laughs> and now I'm sadder about the world. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> That'd have been a great in-character thing for them just to be like, oh yeah, the Deep South has discovered, you know, the Greek food of the gods. So <laughs> Turns um, out it's not yeah. as good as you might have thought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently, yeah, Greek gods, terrible taste in food. Mm. Jesus Christ, America. Um, BT, we'll start with you. What would you like to change about this episode? Hmm. Good question. I'm not sure if I do want to change anything in particulars. Yeah, because maybe a little bit more of the laugh laugh. 
but then that may have been because I was kind of focusing more on, you know, the the political correctness of this episode rather than focusing on the script in general because I haven't seen it for so long. Um, but then looking back, there's plenty of quotable moments on here. No, I don't think I have anything I really want to change. But right. I mean, how many times can you not say more laugh, laugh? Yeah. <laughs> how about you, Chris? What would you like to change about this episode? Uh, maybe just update the language a little bit. No, um, sure. I didn't think about I, updating. That would be it. Uh, I'll tell you which one has always kind of weirded me out was the cigarette joke. Mm. Actually, yeah. Mm. That one doesn't land. I get it. Like, you know, he's smoking Slims, which is the effeminate cigarette, not a manually cigarette. What always but confuses it's not- me is the billboard is advertising Slims. Yeah. So it's like... Homer saw the boobs and not read the No, no, the I thing. get that. But then, then where is the connection of Slim cigarettes being gay if the advertising company itself has women fighting and, in, in, you know, pillow fighting on it? I just... That's always weirded me out. I've never fully understood that. Mm. Yeah, it just... It never lands properly. Like, the mm. amount of time that's given to the word Slims, like... Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it feels yeah. like it's actually badly edited or, like, badly directed timing-wise. Like, they ran mm. out of seconds for that joke. I do like the like the fade in and out on Bart, and he comes back and says, "Well, it's been two hours." Yeah, yeah, that I like. That I like. Yeah, and look, as for what I'd like to change, I just honestly don't feel like I'm qualified. And <laughs> you know, in a lot of these classic era episodes, I say I'm not qualified because yeah, the writing's so sharp and witty and all that and mm. on point. And you know, that's absolutely the case with this one. But yeah, also being able to you know improve this episode in the take that it's got yeah uh, like you guys said other than updating the language or just fine-tuning it which wouldn't be a product of its time anymore so yeah i've got nothing to contribute is a long way of (laughs) me saying so yeah we're here chris do you have any other notes something that was touched on earlier was the escalation of that fire downstairs was was really fast like how it just Mm. suddenly everything is on fire yeah it's a great moment that i don't see in modern day well from what we saw Mm. i don't see in modern day simpsons Everything mm. seems to be at a slower pace. They know they can just get away with it faster. I don't know. A lot of this is just good. The, oh, the one thing that keeps pissing me off, actually, this is another thing that bothers me. Yeah. Roscoe's voice in the steel mill when he says, we work hard and we play hard, mm. is miles away from what voice he uses when he's first talking to Homer. Oh, right. It's like, it's almost as if it's another voice actor. And I always remember that for some reason, is that Roscoe's voice sounds way more effeminate and mm. way more queer than his normal regular speaking voice. So that one's particularly like, uh. And also shooting a deer is like shooting a beautiful man. Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, true words have never been spoken. That's very true. Other than yeah. that, it's a great episode. All right. How about you, VT? Any other notes? Yeah, I'm just, I do like that um, John's wearing the, the old pin pal shirt. Okay. Mm-hmm. Another Jordan's anal corner. Now, welcome back to Jordan's <laughs> anal corner. Yeah, there's no way that the shirt fits John that well. Like, oh, if it was Homer's shirt, because you can see the Homer monogram on it. I was about to say you don't know it was Homer's, but it does definitely have that on the front. So, exactly, yeah. yeah. Yep. I've watched it. Maybe he got it taken in. Yeah, entirely possible. But then you feel like that would ruin the integrity of the product? Whatever. No, he would have taken it in himself. Yeah. It's it's right. John Waters. I'm sure he would have taken it in himself. Bruce, <laughs> <laughs> pure camp value. Um, Absolutely. I do like... John gives Marge like a playful slap and she kind of gives him a playful slap back in the background yeah. part just slugs Homer <laughs> and then strangles him he's like dad company so I'll oh, just take a seat John I'll be with you in a moment yeah because it's hard because uh, uh, the strangling is one of the things that I've found it difficult to return to old Simpsons about and mm. like so when they actually do the joke well like I appreciate like I thought it worked here yeah 
John's Carhorn plays Somewhere Over the Rainbow. That's like, what that mm-hmm. was. Yeah, that's yep. a classic. You didn't pick that. Come on, man. It's like one of the most famous cadences in the world. Mm. It's the example you use for an octave leap. Mm. Or it's the one I use, at least. Um, I like the whole Hawaiian shirt bit where it's like, eh, came out of the closet. It's just big, fat party animals and gay guy. But doesn't look like a big, fat party animal to me. Again, like Marge demonstrating how stupid Homer's arguments were. Yeah. So if you were one, it wouldn't be gay. And he's like, exactly, fine, we're on the same page. It's yeah. like, yeah. oh, this is so ridiculous. <laughs> oh, and um, when Bart comes into that scene and he has he has a little strut before when he's walking mm-hmm. in front of Homer, there's a little animation detail that I just caught today. Uh, he struts in rather than walking like normal Bart does uh, when he's yeah. in the Hawaiian shirt. It's cute. It's like, I think it's demonstrating the confidence the family is giving, like, um, as they're sort of drawn to John and just like, yeah, how confident he is and how happy he is. And they're picking up on these little things because, yeah, this is a confident person that makes people happy. Why wouldn't we want to kind of be like him? Yeah, he's a mm. neat dude. I do like Marge when she's, you know, talking gossip with John. He's like, oh, you know, Helen Lovejoy looks blonde, but cuffs and collar don't match, if you know what I mean. He's like, I don't, but I loved hearing it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just a very cute Marge moment. Yeah. Yeah, so kind of the uh, social commentary is when, you know, today we're going to turn you into a man, Bart. And he's like, oh, you going to teach me how to drive? (laughs) Yeah, no, you're too young to drive. Come kill something. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good little parallel that I like. I actually, uh, again, and not a moment that I know how to take is where... Bart's like, a uh, bunch of men going out in the woods together. Seems a little gay. Like, Matt, I like it because it's basically saying to Homer what Homer's been saying about everything Bart does, except when, again, when someone else does it, it's wrong. When yeah. we do it, it's fine. But then he's like, that's a very immature attitude, young man. You know, it's that whole um, hypocrisy. Mm. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's how I take it, at least. <laughs> oh, Dad, did that hurt? Just my bones. And organs. Yeah. And later on when Marge yeah. hugs him, I've been tenderized. Yeah. Just, I love the delivery on that. It's a little sad, but also like this is a reality now sound of it. And I don't know what Ultra Suede is, but it sounds fascinating. Ultra Suede. Ultra Suede. Like Suede, but... Only better? Knocked up a notch. I guess. <laughs> Bam. Yay. <Yeah. Hey. laughs> well, I just need to compile just a couple more notes, but BT... The question. So we like to ask our new guests, uh, if you could have a sandwich named after you, what would be on that sandwich? And if that question is too hard, because that is a very hard question, just simplify it to what's the best sandwich? Okay, I'm going to try name a sandwich after myself. So, mm-hmm. Chris Bond. Yep. So I'm going to have sliced olives as a nod mm-hmm. to James Bond, the, the, yep, martini, yep, the martini, shaken not stirred. So olives, black olives pair well with bacon. Mm-hmm mustard, maybe some salami, yep. lettuce, and tomato. So basically a BLT with, with all a, of, like a deli BLT with a crusty loaf of bread. Yeah, there we go. Because I was going to ask, is that a crust loaf? Now, is this fresh or can I get this like grilled? Uh, you can get that grilled, absolutely. Excellent. And yes. if you get it grilled, they <laughs> add a bit of extra cheese into it as well. Yes. <laughs> now I'm on board. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> all right, it's time for my final notes. Uh, kitchen, corn. <laughs> so John calls Homer the living end. Mm-hmm. So is he an Australian rockabilly punk band? He's a prisoner of society. <laughs> uh, I bet they get that all the time. Mm. Um, come on, Bart, kill Blitzen. 
and I just <laughs> love Bart in that most. Like, because even Bart recognizes that he was kind of down with going hunting, but mm. yeah, shooting a reindeer in a pen, yeah. like, that wasn't hunting. That's not the activity. And I think it's very good to have that as a single line. Not only is Homer pushing him into this, but he's also compared it to a reindeer from Christmas. Yeah. Just to mm. make this a little bit more horrifying for him. <laughs> not as, as horrifying as the deer found that robot Santa, which. His cruel master. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. And my final note is. The whole Lisa going, look, this is about as tolerant as dad gets. Consider this a win. Where he's just like, oh, wait, what do we call you? Fruit? No. Queer? No. And then John's like, yeah, just John's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. It's time to rank this thing. Chris, it's your turn to go first. I'm feeling a very strong gold. I don't think it's actually cubic. It's definitely up there, but um, I don't think it has as many laughs. Um, mm. It doesn't have any, many, many uh, chortles and like all good social commentary episodes of the simpsons it ages and that means that we're progressing and that we're making changes so it stands up it holds up but i don't think it's uh cubic levels yeah there's parts of me that you know want to say this is an essential episode just because of how well it handled itself given time place and whatever but you know at the end of the day, I'm always judging it as an episode of The Simpsons mm-hmm. and against other ones. And, you know, the writing in this one is amazing, but I just kept getting that feeling that, yeah, it is as good as a gold and there's just so many better episodes speaking to the strengths. But, you know, not to diminish this one because gold is still excellent by our definition. It's just mm. I, don't, I don't find it essential personally. But what do you reckon, BT? Yeah, I was kind of skirting the gold-silver border, largely because there's not quite as many laughs in this, but I do think the strength of its storytelling is really good in the sense that it has a moral and it actually earns it. And for the time it was made, it was surprisingly well-balanced and fairly even-handed. I don't think I have a lot of complaints about this one in general, so I'm going to stick with the absolute gold. All right, cool. And once again, across the board, I think. I know. We so really do that across all three. Across all three, across the board, this is a unanimous gold. It'll be the fourth episode from season eight to get that honour. It will be also be joining recently reviewed The Canine Mutiny, the Laddie episode, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Burns Baby Burns, the Rodney Dangerfield, Mr. Burns' son Larry and all that. Mm-hmm. And also My Sitter, My si- uh, my Sister, My Sitter, which is a bit of a tongue twister now. Yep. My Sister, My Sitter, My Sister, My Sitter. <laughs> Anyway, (laughs) that's a good episode too. All right, guys. Well, that about does it for the Simpsons Index for this week. But before we get out of here, we just like to quickly talk about things that we're into lately. Books, TV, film, music, whatever you're into. Mm -hmm. Let's hear about it. Starting with you, BT. All right. So it's been a while since I actually saw something I genuinely thought was great. Uh, And I was starting to worry. Is it me? Am I old and crotchety and I hate everything? But I saw Jojo Rabbit the other night. And I don't want to overhype it because I think hype is the enemy of the enjoyment. And for a you know film that's really banking a lot on its charm and its star presence, uh, I don't want to sell it too much. But it, yeah, really funny, really charming, and has some gut punch emotional stuff in that that really caught me by surprise and generally you know knock my socks off. So. I mean, they announced the Oscar nominees this uh, today. I think it's got like six nominations, which is fantastic to see. And yeah, really enjoyed that film. So Jojo Rabbit, big recommendation, but also don't overhype it. <laughs> so really, so, really go see this, but also don't see it too much. But just to calm down <laughs> but a bit, but get excited. Yeah, it's, it's, awesome. yeah, it's, it's a weird thing to say, but how do I recommend something without overhyping it? But hey, there it is. And how about you, Chris? What are you into? Right now, I've just finished watching The Witcher right. on Netflix. I had a really good time. It's a show that really doesn't lead you by the hand. It doesn't tell you everything, which is great. Acting is a bit hit or miss, but whatever. Mm. It's fun. How is Henry Cavill in it? Because I've actually sort of realized, oh, wow, I don't 
know if I like Henry Cavill. <laughs> yeah, I had the same thing when I watched the first two episodes. The rest of the cast kind of kept everything together. And then by mm-hmm. the fourth and fifth episode, I was like, oh, I, I like these like acting choices. I, I see they're paying off now. So, yeah, it's it's a weird thing where I think holistically the performance is better than episode to episode, which is good show running, in my opinion. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of chaotic in the first four episodes, which is a lot of fun. Also, a uh, musician, obviously Dankmus. I'm like a big yeah. Dankmus fan. But Nick Lutzko uh, is also a musician who I really enjoy, who has been getting a lot of plays from me. And... Uh, Finally, Samurai, the musicians who are doing uh, the music for Cyberpunk 2077, the fictional band in-universe. All oh, right. They're, they're really cool as well. So, yeah, worth checking out. Oh, interesting. Mm. It's kind of weird that we're at this point, yeah, where fictional in-game music is starting to get hype like that. I wonder yeah. if they're going to do a concert. I think they might. They're an actual band that got repurposed for the video game. Mm. Right. So they're... I think probably going to do some shows posing as the band. So that'd be really interesting. Nice. Yeah, because Danny was telling us the other day about that uh, Japanese hologram. Oh, yeah, who's actually touring. Mm. It's good. She's playing Coachella. <laughs> Hatsune Miku. <laughs> and because, yeah, then, yeah, I was showing uh, the game Splatoon. There's two characters in that that are mm. like pop stars that had a concert in Japan that sold so well that they took it on tour. And it's did, just did, a hologram. Did, did they have a tour? Those I know the characters. It's like Pearl mm. and uh, uh, Pearl and Mariner, yeah. Um, yeah. Or Marina. I don't know. But yeah, yeah. They had like a little tour in Japan and like did a couple of concerts. It's wild. Wow. That's great. What is the future? (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, what I've been into lately, it's actually not super lately, but I was just uh, thinking about, because I've got my cousins coming around tomorrow, what video games am I going to show them? And man, there is a game that anytime get the friends around to play something, Duck Game always comes up. Mm -hmm. Now, this is a game produced by Adult Swim and... It's basically Super Smash Brothers, but with ducks and guns yep. instead. Mm-hmm. And it's even a bit WarioWare-ish in that you're given very little instruction about what any of the weapons do, mm-hmm. and you've just got to figure out how to be the last one surviving in a round. The rounds happen really rapidly and quickly, so yep. it's got a lot of replay value. And it's just an overall charming, silly, dumb game. Um, yeah, it's the kind where if you even if you fall off the stage, it's usually so funny it's worth it. Yeah, yeah, I'm also a big fan of that one. I think I think I've seen videos of it. It looks fantastic. I've never played it, but it looks really fun. Yeah, I think it's actually a little bit pricey on the eShops, but i got to say, the amount of value I've gotten out of it, mm. just for party things, because it's one of these things where the win is totally ir- irrelevant. You just you end up making each yeah. other laugh at the ridiculous situations you get in. Yeah, it's one of those, you want to see how much stupid chaos is going to happen when ducks start, mm. start throwing grenades at each other. <laughs> uh, Chris, mate, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. Do you want to plug your things? Yeah. So I'm part of Baby Beard Media. We're a group of four people who make uh, podcasts and video content. We've got two shows currently. We have Roll to Cast, a RPG podcast where we're finished with season one, which was a cyberpunk 2020 character role-playing game. And we've got Vampire the Masquerade coming up in season two, which is ooh, 10 days away from recording. Mm. January the 25th is when that comes out. We also have another podcast called Shut Up and Take My Podcast, where we review episodes of Futurama and compete them against each other, mm-hmm. uh, like Battle Royale style. 
Um, a bit like Conkers, if you know what Conkers are, which is a con- <laughs> really for English people who are the only people who really know what Conkers are, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, we've also got a Let's Play series coming out on our YouTube channel, spearheaded by me and Ellen, where we play video games. And the first video game made me cry because Ellen's a sadist and uh, wanted me <laughs> to get emotionally attached with a character, and I did. And uh, uh, it's heartbreaking. So uh, look out for that on our, our YouTube page. Oh, I got to find out what this game was. I know. Was it Untitled Goose Game? or <laughs> It was a game that has birds, that's for sure. A dating sim where you date pigeons. <laughs> oh, dating sims. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ellen's a psycho. She made me cry with her choice of video games. So uh, I hate her now, but we had a great time playing it. <laughs> well, glad to know you're still working together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, And BT, our other podcast? Yep, our other podcast is Thrones of Game. This is a, a podcast where we watch Game of Thrones backwards. I've already watched the entire show, but Elliot had never seen a single episode until we started doing this podcast. So I'm re-watching it backwards, and he's seeing it for the first time backwards. It gives us a kind of pretty unique perspective on things and to see how pieces fit together. And yeah, a lot of fun, and we like to keep it pretty short. So about half-hour episodes. And yeah, if you're a Game of Thrones fanatic and you want to relive some of the glory days and don't have a podcast because they're all out of context the show is over thrones of game check it out all right cool and yeah that about does it for the simpsons index for this week thank you chris thank you very much guys thank you bt quack (laughs) and i'm your host (laughs) elliot j o'neill that's all the mustard in the house thank you for listening to the simpsons index podcast which is also an online spreadsheet available at thesimpsonsindex.com you can chat to us online at facebook.com slash thesimpsonsindex or at Simpsons Index on Twitter and Instagram. And now please stay tuned for the bonus scenes! First released in May of Ort 7, it was directed... There, directed. It was directed by... Alright, um, should we just hook into it then? Let's dive straight in. Alright, here we go. Alright, couple of pre-pod stretches. Ah. Got any good tongue twisters, BT? I mean, let's see what it can crack out real quick. Wait, where'd my phone go? Halle Berry's Harry <laughs> Belly. Halle Berry's Harry Belly is a classic. What uh, do you use, Chris? Uh, red leather, yellow leather. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Is the old standby. My singing right. teacher used to make me do that and then a uh, variation just like in scales. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> great. Just That's make a life good hearty. idea. As you can tell, I got good at singing. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so good. Yeah, that's a um, smart move. Scaling tongue twisters. Um, I mean, it's still the classic, a synonym for cinnamon. Yep. Uh, but I, my parent favorite is still my baby mama's drummer is she wants a kama llama from Obama's llama farmer. <laughs> I swear <laughs> to God you're doing your black eyed pea song in that moment. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty damn close. Put like a mm, 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 yeah. under it and then it's pretty, how could anyone tell the difference? <laughs> Get Paul Goodman to throw a track behind it and we'll just do some remixes <laughs> of uh, some warm ups. Fuck. Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Also, I've just realised, did I announce your name at the start as Chris Bonding? Uh, yeah, I, it's fine. Bonding <laughs> is what I... Well, they, that's my Twitter handle, uh, Bonding yeah. Chris. But Bond is, yeah. Oh, that's right. Damn, I don't mind. Yeah, that was just in my head because of Twitter. Like, <laughs> I mean, I feel like we've bonded. <laughs> hey. Hey. <laughs> I'm sure you get crap like that a lot. <laughs> Particularly from library people. People who run libraries seem to love using my name in puns. Oh, right. Interesting. Weirdness. Yeah. I mean, because every now and then you meet someone with a very punnable name who has never heard the one you're thinking of. It's like, but how? Like, I knew a guy once whose last name was Bedwell. And I'm like, well, how often have you said Bedwell by name? Bed very well by reputation. He's like, never. How have never. I never done that? But 
Take that. Use it wisely. <laughs> I gift it to you. This is my <laughs> gift. <laughs> I'm stunned no one's used it before, but you take that and run with it. Yeah. He comes back to you years later. He's got, <laughs> yeah, four partners hanging off each arm. It's like, Ben! <laughs> just, it wasn't for you. <laughs> just, just say it all with a high five, buddy. <laughs>